Exit for Podcast Mutants, Magic, and Marvels is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things media, check out cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And for all things X's for Podcast, check out X's for Podcast on Twitter and YouTube. Hey everybody, welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at comics, mutants, magic, and marvels week after week through their many monthly titles. Now I'm Nico, and you guys can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Today we have an awesome doubleheader for you. We're going to kick things off with an incredible interview with Bob Quinn, part of our paneling series, where he sits down with Jonah and discusses process in depth before turning things over to the sexy horror vibes of Darkhold Alpha by Steve Orlando. But first things first, this interview with Bob Quinn was sort of a dream come true, onslaught revelation and Way of X and some of his amazing work on things like Champions have been some of the best titles to come out of Marvel in the last few years and his collaboration with Cy Spurrier has been incredible. He also worked on Cable Reloaded with Al Ewing and has been such a focal part of moving the X-Men forward in this incredibly pivotal and exciting time for the books and Jonah had so many questions for him. Everything from interpretations of your designs as cosplay to what makes you tick as an artist and what's your your regular routine, what keeps you in the moment, advice you have for up-and-coming artists, and I could not recommend this interview more. So we hope you guys enjoy, and if you guys like what you hear, you'll probably like what you see. So don't forget to check us out over on Twitter and Instagram at X's for Podcast, as well as our awesome YouTube channel at the same name. I'm recording the green room, Patrick. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Nico's gonna have a good time wondering why we're having a He's jolly like, old laugh. What? These these two are already off to the races. What is going on around here? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, off to the races. I'm going places. Okay. All right. Oh, we're gonna talk about some comics. More important. More specifically, we're gonna kind of talk. We're kind of gonna do it like uh, how it's made in an audio form of all right. How is a comic made from an artist's perspective of like your job and your role and like all that good stuff over there? We did an interview with Ariana Mayer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she talked about it like the letterer's perspective of like what she does and like how that goes into the entire process of making a comic and so like we're trying to hit like all the different points so oh, nice like, so like you are our art guy for that and like i i had such a great time the last time you were on <laughs> also it'll it'll be part of the introduction the entire creative team over for who did for way of x turned me into a pixie fanboy and like i had a coming out moment for that <laughs> <laughs> we did it <laughs> you did it because i to be fair i didn't really read when like pixie was first introduced and all that sure so i only got the secondhand information of like this is who she is and like this is stuff about her character and mm-hmm. i was like a curmudgeon about it of like she's got a soul dagger and she could do magic and she's all she's got she's pink hair and, and yeah. she looks like a fairy and all these and like man she was just an it girl and i can't like that <laughs> yeah like the teenager Stupid. mentality <laughs> Of like, I don't know if like you had like a similar like thought process when you were a teen, but like when I was a teen, I couldn't like anything popular. I wasn't allowed. If it was popular, it was bad, and it wasn't for me. And it's not oh. good. It's like, ugh. are you kidding? I I, I was like long haired and then eventually mohawked punk rock kid. I could like as, as soon as my favorite band got a record deal, I hated them. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> they sold out. So that's how like I originally envisioned Pixie, and then we get to Waya X, and I'm like, oh, she's like an actual in depth character with layers and 
like badass and can be cool and holds her own and like she banters well with nightcrawler oh yeah, yeah right <laughs> i'm like slowly finding myself more and more into pixie and i'm like oh god do i like pixie well <laughs> all right here i am so i, I uh, guess this is who i am now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can turn everything pink and i gotta get myself a soul dagger somehow absolutely you know, people are sending me all the uh, amazing pixie cosplays from uh new york comic-con and uh Ooh. there was there was some really excellent ones oh my god that a is amazing would be i just thought about like how many people will have done like hellfire gala outfits because like those are perfect to cosplay oh please somebody <laughs> no, no nobody's posted one of, of the ones i did yet but i'm i'm like that would I, be incredible i will make this promise to you here today i will find a way to make a nightcrawler cosplay work yes <laughs> i will i will you you have the jonah guarantee i will figure out a way to a make the costume and then b paint myself to look like nightcrawler and i will specifically do the hellfire outfit because i actually really loved his out his outfit spectacular <laughs> i love it <laughs> okay let's whew, okay got it out we're good talking right. about a little bit of pixie <laughs> i feel like uh, I, don't, I don't know what movie or scene it is it's like <laughs> ma 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 it's somebody getting ready for something oh I yeah wish... I, you know what now it's in my head i can't think of what it is either because yeah there's... and they're like they're like, they're like, drizzling, they're yeah. like drizzling their hands in front of their face and then they, they, they like pop so i don't know what it, i it's an man? maybe <laughs> I wish. I, anyway, someone's gonna be screaming at me. <laughs> the human okay. torch was denied a bank loan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> energy energy hello everyone welcome back to another episode of x's for podcast the show where we cover marvel's mutants magic and more i'm your host jonah and i have with me returning fan favorite internal fan favorite guest bob quinn hello bob how are you doing hey i'm doing just great thank you so much for having me back on the best podcast on the internet <gasps> Oh, that is uh, quite the title. We uh, here at X's for Podcast support this uh, nomination and accept it. Uh, <laughs> we didn't nominate ourselves. He was not asked to say that. No, that's just, that's just the it. thing I say, because like when I'm on a great podcast, I know it. I can tell it right away. And this is one of those <laughs> moments. <laughs> You can you can feel it. It's in the air. The mm-hmm. magic is all around us. It's electric. And it's electric. Uh, Serge, is that you? No, no, we don't have Serge in the studio, and that's okay. I'm, like, I'm but, liking all of this Academy X content. This is feeling good. <laughs> oh, oh! If only someday someone's gonna draw Indra for me. I. <laughs> And I will, whew, I will be happy. <laughs> but we're normally we'd be talking about curtains, current books you're on, and all that fun and juicy stuff. But today it's going to be something a little bit different. Last month, our co-host Tori got to sit down with Ariana Meyer for a one-on-one interview about lettering. So today we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive into how a comic is made from the artist's perspective with none other than an artist himself, Bob Quinn. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible. You got the guy here that knows how to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. He does it. He draws real cool. I enjoy his art. And uh, my favorite thing that you do on Twitter is the metaphorical straw man of don't be like him. Buy these comics. <laughs> and I get a chuckle every time you do it. <laughs> well, you know, it's so stupid. Like, I'm always very appreciative of the fact that anybody's buying anything that I'm drawing. And the fact that anyone likes it on top of that is, is always astounding to me because I, I don't know if it's it's probably like this for a lot of other like creatives. But, you know, at, at a certain point, once you've turned in a page, all you can see is everywhere you screwed up on it. Oh. So I just look at one like I'll page, I'll leave through an issue and I'll go, this isn't too bad. Then I'll see one thing and I'll be like, nope, this is this is garbage. <laughs> why did anybody write? Why did anybody read this? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh 
it's you you read or you listen back to your own music you look back at everything you even listen back to yourself on a podcast you're like ooh, i should have said that differently it's kind oh, of like yeah. the, um the, like when you're in a shower and like you got into an argument with someone earlier and you're like thinking about all the witty comebacks you should have said oh and you're yeah like, there, there's a there's such a the the, the french is, as usual have a wonderful term for that and i can't remember what it is it's like hallway uh, wisdom or something like that i can't remember what it, i can't remember the term but it, it's something like that <laughs> <laughs> so my first question is when you are you know working you are a comic artist mm-hmm. what is the process like for getting selected to be on a title or a book or anything like that how is that going up gone about it's it, it's i didn't super understand how it's done until very recently and i don't know if this is how it always goes but i only just like literally today got any kind of insight into it because so what happened initially was that i got contacted by marvel and they said do our editors know you and i said no so they gave me like two people to email um one of which was their talent like management guy right so basically i would email him samples and i'd go hey maybe i could draw a book for you and then like i wouldn't hear anything <laughs> and i'd be like well, well i guess this isn't how it goes but then eventually like i i guess he would like go around and show pages that i'd done to people and then i get i'll get like a random email from some editor going hey do you want to draw this thing and i'd be like uh, okay because i got nothing else going on today so you know th- that's kind of how it would end up going i only recently found out that what i think happens is that they actually have to take the potential creative team to like the editor-in-chief and go hey are you cool with this with this team doing this stuff because i got a email today from one of the editors going yeah I, I took your stuff to you know this person and this person and they said yeah this this would be this would be a good matchup so it doesn't sound like i i th- th- as far as i can tell an editor goes what about this person and this person takes it way up the food chain and then they come back and go yeah that looks like a good fit but i have zero involvement in it other than i hand them my most recent pages and go hey i'm i think I'm better than I used to be a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, that is... Tr- <laughs> Because I feel like there is like a funny form of comedy in that like you're kind of just asked, hey, do you want to do this? And then it like the idea of like someone like rushing like up a bunch of stairs at like papers in hands and like so- they knock into somebody and like the files fall down or like the comic pages or whatever it is. And they're like, they said, yes, can we do it with this team? And they're like, sure. And then they run all the way back down. I, it again. Kinda, I, I think that might be exactly how it goes. Because like the first thing that came to mind was, oh, I just take a bunch of drawings I did and I throw them into a cement mixer and then like eventually like they pull the lever and then like then it comes out and it goes okay well this is what you're gonna work on i'm like all right sounds good i don't know what happens inside the cement mixer other than it gets knocked around with a bunch of other stuff uh <laughs> well you know mixed in with a bunch of other chemicals and you add a little bit of water and then you lay it down and mm-hmm. you, you give it a and kiss good night and you you let it rest for a day and it, you come back and you're like oh there's a comic book yeah exactly and then mike holmes comes in and he goes you can't have any kids in here there's water damage <laughs> It's not safe for kids. This is not safe for kids in here. Because <laughs> they're going to look at that and be like, ooh, and it looks tasty. Because I kids will put... Never mind. <laughs> if, if, if <laughs> I was, I was left, waiting for it. I was like, he's going to say it. Gonna if say kids it. are left unattended, <laughs> they like... Like, you know, like dogs or cats, they will try to eat everything. I have There you go. That. that is the proper phraseology to use. <laughs> yes, I am uh, not trying to get myself put on any lists. That has happened before. We have said some suspicious things that we were like, you know what? They're going to listen back and be like that. That was the moment. Oh, yeah. That was- that's that's the moment. Let, hey, you know what? If we can get a, at this point, if you and I can both get out of this and not be canceled, I think we're going to be in good shape. <laughs> because we're, we're trying hard already. <laughs> we're, we're, we are... 
we were seeing how far we could tug the line with, with like looking at it and then running back really fast. Yeah. Just, just like the editor when they're trying to figure out who they're allowed to use for a team. Exactly. So when you are put on the team, what is that timeline look like of from you got the confirmation to go ahead to work on this title and this is the team to the book is done, everything is finished to being ready to be shipped out? Jeez. So, I mean, here's the thing. I only really have visibility into my part of it and then a little bit into the coloring side of it. So, because some of these things can happen out of order, right? So, like, typically what you'd think is, is, all right, I draw the pages and then I give it to the colorist and the colorist does it. And then once the whole page is completely finished, we can give it to the letterer and then the letterer will put in the words and then everything gets shipped off. But that's not necessarily how it works because once you have, like, the final pages, the letterer can just kind of work whenever the the page is done, right? So, you know, once I have my part in, the overall layout and like where things are positioned in the panel isn't going to change. So you can letter that immediately. So in my experience, the pages will actually be lettered sometimes before the book is ever colored. Like on Way of X and Onslaught Revelation, I know that poor Hava was was really under the gun on that one. I'm not sure what happened with one of his previous, but like he, he had to he had to move fast. And like I, anytime I was like, hey, Hava, can we change this one thing in this panel? I felt just terrible. <laughs> Oh like, this no! Could, could this be red instead of blue? He's like, yeah, I'll get to that as soon as I can, man. I'm like, oh <laughs> no! So you know, it, it, a lot of this stuff has a tendency to be pretty, pretty breakneck because, like, for me, I try to be extremely disciplined about what I'm working on. So basically, once a editor sends me a script, if it's a 20 page script, I'm done with it in 20 days. I keep myself to a page a day. Uh, you know, I, I I do my best to take off weekends unless there's some sort of emergency. So you know, that ends up being essentially four weeks right so so my part of the my part of the process is done in four weeks um again unless there's some sort of catastrophe okay that's i don't know the metrics of measuring whether that's considered fast or not but i find i do find that fascinating of like you're given like you're you're disciplined enough to go okay i need to make sure i get this done i'm going to do at least one a day yeah well i'll put it to you like this so i I, i'm on a i'm on a secret discord with a number of other incredible comic book artists which I which I cannot speak about uh, because we talk about secret things together. Uh, but but mo- mostly it's just like uh, all of us like shooting each other pages and going, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And everybody going, "That's really great!" And everybody like everybody being very encouraging to each other. So that's nice. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you know, my my good friend on there goes, "Yeah, I do about four a week." And then another guy who you've probably heard of who does a lot of work with Marvel actually does about three a week. So it turns out that I'm I'm pretty fast compared to most people in the biz. So fast, in fact, that at the beginning of the the panini in 2019 i accidentally had myself double book and it was very bad i was drawing captain america and i was also drawing red sonia at the same time because just because you know it was like i was still doing another thing and then the opportunity came in to work on captain america and there was no way i was going to pass it up so (laughs) i was actually doing two pages a day at that point now was it my best work no obviously not but i am capable of doing that you know i guess i guess i was at that point doing the uh the jack kirby pace but i was penciling and inking my own stuff so i'm even faster uh, <laughs> but again <laughs> i don't recommend that to anybody a your pages are going to have questionable choices and you have a tendency to just have to like make a decision and go but typically what i'll do is if i'm up against a real tough deadline like that i will actually sit down and make a schedule for myself because like for that one be- because of the way that the different uh books had the deadlines scheduled i actually had to go in and like i, I had a- i had a big calendar and i was like okay well this one 
you know, this one's going to require this number of pages by this day. This one is so like, okay, this day I have to do, you know, I have to pencil two Red Sonia pages and I have to ink one Captain America page. And this one has to be penciling, it has to ink two Captain America pages. I can I can pencil one Red Sonia page on that and then, and then we'll be okay. It can get pretty granular if you've done something stupid, like say yes to too much work. <laughs> But I, I really like by the end of that process, I was I was such a mess. And my and my poor wife was very angry at me because she's like, I haven't seen you in a month. And I'm like, yeah, well, I, don't worry. You won't see me for the next month either because I still have another book due. Um, but then but then, you know, the, the diamond shutdown happened and, and then I got taken off Captain America. I just got to work on the other one and then she didn't have to be mad at me anymore. So <laughs> you got to you got to see your wife and she's like, oh, goodness. Oh, goodness gracious. You're back. Yeah, that's uh, what you look like. <laughs> that's what you look like. It's been so long yeah because oh. i would just be sitting in my office and then like she would slowly slide plates of food in front of me to make sure that i actually ate something <laughs> almost no, I, I dare i say almost prison like but that's you know we should describe jobs like that <laughs> what we work uh, you on know, i mean uh, what what is an what is an office if not a cell you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean the way that some people do decorate their office it is might as well just be a cell it's yeah. just like a desk you got your computer yeah. and maybe one calendar on the wall yeah I, I just ordered some scandinavian designs uh uh bookshelves so it will be much fancier Ooh. in here yeah I'm, I'm i'm living large these days no it's just because we moved we just moved from uh, los angeles to saint paul and everything's much cheaper here so <laughs> i can afford to get nice furniture finally <laughs> yeah that is the uh the benefit of moving from a larger city to a smaller city or town you're like oh shit things are like you, you can buy stuff and it, you don't have to feel like well this cost me this many hours yeah exactly <laughs> it would look to be like oh we just i just paid for this whole thing again this is great <laughs> do nothing this is amazing why didn't i do this years ago <laughs> So what is, can you describe what your typical work day is like? You wake up, you're like, I'm Bob Quinn. I'm going to draw some pixie or whatever. Heck yeah. Because I imagine that's how you wake up every morning. <laughs> that is how I wake up. To like, today is pixie day. I'm excited to draw this lady with the pink hair. Yeah, it's, my day is, in, I, I say this to people, I'm an incredibly boring human being, right? Because like my day is almost exactly the same every single day. Basically what happens is, is I get up in the morning at whenever my body says it, you can wake up now. <laughs> <laughs> nature's alarm clock yeah I, I use nature's alarm clock because if not I'm I'm, I'm very crabby so um, <laughs> usually it's around 8 8 30 sometimes 9 if, if I've had a particularly late night the night before but usually try not to do that so uh, get up and I have the same thing for breakfast every day because again very boring I have a bagel with a little bit of honey I'm doing local bee pollen honey because the allergies Ooh. are getting to me here in San I was just to say that'll cure your allergies right I'm away trying. I'm life trying. hack that's a life hack you know what it's it's not too bad. Like I'm like, Ooh, you know, this, this nose feels pretty clear today. So, so honey and peanut butter bagel, and, and if it's Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, I do a little workout in the morning, and then I immediately sit down at my desk, and I will. So it will depend on if I just started a book or if I'm like a couple days into a book. If I just started a book, I will pencil two pages, and you know, take a break around noon or one for lunch, and then usually be done around six, seven o'clock at night, depending. And then you know, if I'm if I'm a couple days into the book, I will ink a page and then pencil a page 
challenge. Uh, again, sticking to the one completed page per day schedule. And then again, you know, taking off for weekends so that I can actually uh, enjoy myself and stuff like that. I stay pretty regimented about that because, you know, it's like, what's the point of having the best job in the world if you're just going to make yourself crazy doing it? So. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's something that I think a lot of people are realizing through the Pinini and everything uh-huh. of yeah. just recognizing like if you aren't really fulfilled and you have the means to don't kill yourself like exactly take, exactly. take a break take that vacation buy yourself something nice like do something you didn't want to do it's life's a little too short and if you do and you are fortunate enough to be able to enjoy what you do make sure you keep enjoying that you know oh, absolutely that i mean I, I, i'm very i'm very lucky in that you know this is this is easily the best job i've ever had in my life you know like i i, I made video games for a long long time and you know the, but i i realized way too late that i just can't stand being told what to do <laughs> So, you know, being in a situation where I just get to wake up in the morning, make breakfast, sit down in here until my work is done, and then hand it off to an editor who says, yep, looks good. I'm like, perfect. Let's go. Best job. Best job. Uh, Honestly, it's not that far off from what I do, but mine are, uh, I just do technical drawing. (laughs) And someone's like, looks at it and goes, okay, yeah, you did this right. And then I move on to the next thing. It's honestly, comic art and engineering is cut from the same cloth. Oh, so like, do you do do, like uh, schematics for like, you know, the resistor goes here capacitor goes here kind of thing uh actually yes so i don't do uh, i guess it's turning into the jonah interview heck yeah what i do is i am a lighting design engineer so what i do is i get the schematic from our architectural slash structural team and they're like here we got this parking lot we got this building we got this railroad put some lights in it and i'm like okay and then i pick a light fixture and i test it and i make sure that it you know hits requirements for whatever client we're working with and then i go okay so then i have to calculate you know the power of it at the determine mm-hmm. how size how big the panel is you got to look at like transformers like where's the power coming from and you have to figure out all this you know fun stuff the way i look at it and the way that i keep myself sane by being mm-hmm. able to do it is i look at it as a puzzle okay so i'm given this task what lights and how many work here and how do i get that power and like, you, you are going these answers <laughs> you're going to love this because the the fascinating thing here is that is exactly how i approach comic book pages the exact same way because what, what i get are these scripts and it'll say like okay it's got to have five panels uh you know this panel has to have somebody doing a karate kick this one has to have 16 people saying a thousand different things here's all the here's all the dialogue and stuff like that and what i have to do is try to piece together something that's going to accurately tell that story feature all the appropriate characters and move the plot along in a way that's going to make sense to the reader it's almost the exact same process for me i have i have frequently described it as a puzzle and like i i am somebody who even as a kid i enjoy puzzles i enjoy puzzle games and i like Mm -hmm testing my brain of figuring out oh okay how are you gonna figure out this one and <laughs> it truly <laughs> is truly a interesting way to look at the things that you do because yeah. i i think it can really help you push your creativity to different levels of okay how can i do this but how do i make this as either wacky wild funny how do i make this as sad as possible not mm-hmm. i don't do that in engineering but like <laughs> That would be real <laughs> bad if I wanted to engineer and go, how do I make this engineering sad? Sad that engineering. Is... <laughs> Welcome to be... Sad Engineering with Jonah. Today, we're going to play Sad Lights in the Misery Corner. <laughs> it's just one light. It's always one light. One blue light. 
<laughs> oh, blue. Oh, mm, good color. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th- that's super duper interesting. But yeah, it, I, I approach pages the same way, the exact same way. I I love that. I, I really do. And, it, and also, I, I hope it does for listeners as well as I know it does this for me. It like helps be like, oh, okay. So when you're getting the scripts, so like that's what it kind of looks like. You're kind of given the puzzle pieces, but it's not an exact piece. It's this is where it's supposed to go, but you get to decide how it looks. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing is like, like I said, I'm, a, I'm on my whisper network, my, uh, my, my fun, the hush hush discord of artists. And what I find interesting is the number of people who will go, yeah, I, I, I see the script and then I'll just kind of do what I think is right with it. Or like, they'll just go, no, I'm actually not going to draw that panel or whatever. And I've actually had editors say that like, look, if you, if, if what's in the script doesn't work for you, you can change it. But I've never felt super comfortable doing that with other people's stuff for a number of reasons. Not, you know, not even most of which is the fact that a the writer's already written that stuff it's gone through editorial they've already approved it so like if i st- if i sit in here and start you know screwing around with everything and, and, and changing it you know you, you can you can radically change the feel of a page and sort of what's being communicated and you know uh, to a certain extent maybe maybe there is a more visually interesting or more exciting way to to compose something because you know it's like a writer is a writer and an artist is an artist and you know when i write for myself and when i draw for myself like if i'm doing my own comic i have a tendency to take a lot more risks uh like just in my layouts and the storytelling and stuff like that than I will for somebody for something like Marvel because there are so many people involved in it and uh, you know these these scripts have been approved and I don't necessarily feel like it you know uh, you know I, I, maybe it's a mistake right because at, at a certain point you know you go well you, I want to make a name for myself as an artist and if all you're doing is just executing <laughs> on these scripts are you really bringing anything to the process you know what I mean like and maybe it would be better for me as an artist right to, to go out there and, and, and mess around with the with, with the, the scripts a bit more to do something that I think would be more interesting but you know at a certain point it's just like well I don't you know I don't want to make anybody's job more difficult than it has to be either because it's like everybody's under the gun when they're making these things you know it's like we we got six weeks to crank this thing out and it's got to look good <laughs> and read well and not suck right so at a certain point you just kind of have to you have to weigh your how much do I really need to change this thing in order to still put a good page out right and ultimately what I try to do is is, is do my best version of of what's in the script so that nobody's sitting there going, well, he changed this, and are we going to have to change the the bubble layout for the dialogue? And all right, yeah, we think we can make this work, right? Like no, nobody wants to have that headache, and I would hate to have a headache come from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I but I I really get that, and you know, I think it's a lot easier, as you said, to be experimental, to be a little bit different and edgier or wild or whatever adjective you'd like to use when it's your own art and you're doing everything by yourself because it's your yeah. own and you can do whatever you want exactly when you are working as a collaborative team and you are given somebody else's art in and of itself mm-hmm. it, i get that trepidation of not wanting to really make any changes because they worked on it themselves and you might have different artistic visions of what works for either of you yeah exactly and- exactly and you know what, what's funny is is that like you know Sai and i didn't know each other going into this at all right you know because ba- basically marvel said hey what, what do you think about working with this with this bob guy and he's like i don't know who that is <laughs> and 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 why would he right like you know i hadn't done a whole heck of a lot of much anything right you know i'd, I'd done i'd done a couple things that were all right but you know i think i think way of x was definitely like my big you know my new big cool thing that i did right because like i'd done a fill-in on champions i did a couple issues here or there of captain america but like this is the one that were like i was going to be the anchor
maker artist. And, you know, why, why would you trust some Yahoo you've never heard of? Right. So but then we started working together and it became very clear very early on again. And, and I tell this story a lot. It was like the first time I read, you know, the the script and it says everybody pukes. I was like, this this is my guy. Right. Like, size <laughs> my dude. Right? We get each other. Right. And then, you know, since then we've had, you know, he, he lives in England, obviously. I live in the States. So, you know, communication can be a little bit difficult just because, you know, time zones and whatnot. But, you know, we we have been we, we've we've spoken a bit more since then. I think as you know, it, this may be a situation where, you know, he and I end up working together again in the future because we do. I, I, I like I like him a lot. Like I think he's a cool guy. A B. He's a really good writer. And C, I, you know, we 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 definitely connect on uh, a lot of things, but like honally storytelling wise uh, and so on. And, you know, it may be a situation where down the road he can just go, here's the dialogue, make it work. Right. And and, and maybe that's what it turns into. Um, but, you know, who knows? Comics is, is a really, really weird job because like, you know, I've also worked with people like Dan Slott, who does do very Marvel method stuff where he's like, all right, in this panel, there'll probably be like five panels on this. This is basically what happens. And at the end, they'll probably be talking about something like this. And that's what the script looks like. And you go, OK, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I guess I'll work. figure this one out. <laughs> But, you know, Sai has a tendency to, to, to really put a lot of effort into his panel descriptions and stuff like that. He, he'll actually write me notes in, in the beginning of the script. He's like, Bob, hello. And then like says all this crazy stuff about what it is I'm supposed to accomplish in this book. And then, you know, I'll get, you know, I, I, you, you, I mean, you saw Onslaught Revelation. It's completely, it's completely insane. The stuff that we, that we had in that book. <laughs> And I, I'm trying to I'm trying to find because like, I actually pulled the script up here so I could try to find what it is that he wrote and what it is that I actually ended up drawing in some of these things. Because, yeah, huge, utterly glorious apocalyptic image. You know, it's like it's, it's stuff like that. And then he, he goes on to describe what what this stuff is. You know, uh, top of the big, weird shot. We introduced two important things first. <laughs> this, And then he goes on to describe one panel for literally a page. It's completely insane. I. I, I love that. I I love like it. It's like that subversion of like expectation of like yeah. you're not you're not expecting somebody to spend an entire page on one panel. Yeah, and then to give a description that, like utterly glorious was it decimation? Yeah, a, apocalyptic image. Apocalyptic, apocalyptic yeah. image. Yeah. And you're like, this is what you have to work with. I will give you extreme detail here, but I might just give you one sentence here, and you're gonna make it work. Yeah, no, but that, that's exactly what happened because like so. For, so for the for the one that I'm talking about here, this was on page nine, and um, that was the first time that we actually saw sort of like that that psychedelic like sort of MC Escher area that was inside the altar. And Cy went on this really long explanation. He's like, "I'm going to describe all of it for you once, and then <laughs> once. and then you know, and then you know what it's supposed to look like in the future, right? So I can just say we're in the altar. I don't need to tell you all the other bullcrap." <laughs> <laughs> but but like it's completely insane right because like he's like it's like it's part deep dream it's part flowers it's part that weird escher maze in labyrinth right uh it's a, <laughs> it, it's a psychosphere it's a bizarre mental environment david has built like and it it goes on like this for a page and i, I remember picking up this script and going i don't know how i'm going to draw any of this <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then 
I guess you know by the end of it, there the book came, the book did come out, and nobody was angry. So I guess we did a pretty <laughs> good job. But like, it was completely nuts because I was super concerned, right? Because this book had so much weird imagery in it, and I didn't know how to communicate to Orhava what it was I kind of wanted in those backgrounds. Because like, if I say to you, bizarre, trippy, psychedelic, psychoscape, like, <laughs> okay, well, what the hell does that like? What what what's red, right? Like, what what part? <laughs> purple i don't know and, but like to his credit he like i had a very specific idea of how i thought it would work how it would look and then he came back with something that was very different but still worked super duper well and then he and i had just a real again because the poor guy was under the gun i was a real quick back and forth I was like <laughs> could we do this real quick to it and then you're good and he goes yes no problem and then you know um once once we kind of worked that out i thought the colors worked really well and the whole sequence was completely insane all kids were getting we're getting high on mushrooms and and dancing and it was a good time so yeah it was a weird book (laughs) uh i would love to talk a little bit more about like the specifics because it is a weird book and reading it you're like this is isn't it doesn't feel like your traditional comic because it uses so many different things that i don't think a lot of people would have expected from you know your modern day comic you pick up and you're like okay this is this is normally what i expect Mm -hmm. i think it really you know subverts a lot of things how was your art process going into onslaught revelations different than whether it's way of x or other titles you've been on I, you know what, I, I don't, because I, because I'm such like a, a lunch pail guy, I don't really approach it differently. You know, like I, 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 every day it's sit down and look at the problem to solve and solve it. Right. Like, and th- th- <laughs> this, this one just had a lot of really different problems to solve that I'd never had to solve before. Right. Like, how do I make a bizarre psychoscape? How do, you know, you know, some, some of these layouts were, were kind of weird. And like, you know, in, in certain cases, Sai had a pretty strong idea of how he wanted the page laid out. And then in, in those cases, cases like he'd tell me but then in other cases he'd be like you know here's here's the thing go figure it out I'm like all right (laughs) (laughs) I can't say that I approach this any particular way that was that was extraordinarily different than previous issues just in that the stuff that actually had to be in but you know in the page on the pages from panel to panel was so bizarre Mm, okay was there a particular page that when you drew or like you got to in the script and you were like this is it this is the one you were like really like do you have like a favorite page from Revelations that you were like, this is my favorite thing to draw? My favorite thing to draw in there... Well, I mean, obviously, as we have discussed prior to the beginning of this podcast, any page with Pixie on it is always a good page. Because she's great. Well, I, I actually really like drawing drawing the page where they were like, where everybody, basically any page that had that big party on it was a lot of fun. And, and, and in most cases, if you give me a, a crowd scene, I'm going to roll my eyes. But like, this one was so weird. And there was so much crazy stuff going on it that I was like, all right, yeah, you know what? I'll draw this crowd scene. I'll, I'll draw these kids who are dancing, doing drugs, and maybe uh, trying to kill each other. Like, <laughs> like was, it was such a weird thing to have to try to accomplish. I was like, yeah, this is like, they're all shooting lasers at each other and chopping each other in half and you know flinging knives around i was like this is so this is crazy yes i want to hide all this weird stuff in here um that those were really great i i think my i think my favorite one just because of the way the final product came out was when everybody finally got from the crucible to the altar and like the dance party had actually gone into the altar and everybody was like in 3d space dancing on the walls and stuff like that like that that was one of my favorites and then when it finally when the when the colors finally came came in i was like oh god yes that's exactly how i wanted it to be 
listen, you might roll your eyes at a crowd scene, but I know if you're getting a crowd scene, specifically in an X book, I know that I can try <laughs> to scour for one of your weird mutants that I want to put in a class and give it its own title. I mean, this one, we got Globry. Yeah, She's baby! Cool. <laughs> I, it is one of the joys of getting to read, getting read, getting to look through your art is because I know that if you are given the go ahead, you <laughs> will put in a little weirdo in there oh, and yeah. I will fall in love. <laughs> no, it's great though, because it, it, it's so funny because, you know, you think, oh, okay, well, they literally, the, the script literally said it was like, well, a lot of these are going to be sort of like no names and stuff like that because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, you have to fill these backgrounds. The, the idea is that it's a huge party, right? So it's like, yeah, in some cases, I'm going to dig around on, you know, the Marvel fandom wiki and try to figure out who's on Krakoa and who's going to be, you know, having fun at a party. But then at a certain point, I'm going to go, all right, well, uh, what is what what is Mohawk McStabbing Pants going to look like? Okay, well, we'll draw him in here. You know, like... <laughs> Like, Mohawk McStabbin Pants. Call him Mohawk. Mr. McStabbin Pants is his father. Yes, absolutely. And he's in there. Don't you worry. <laughs> I believe you. I'm, you can literally, you can, like you just did, skew, oh, you can pull random things out of a hat and say, this was a mutant that's in the background somewhere. And I go, okay, work. Just tell me where and I'll believe you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, something that I am actually really interested to know and that we kind of got to see a couple of different things and also Nico you can edit this part out if you can talk about it because this isn't like uh, I'm trying to get you and make you break your NDA no I don't yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so when a character is like getting a new design is that something that you work collaboratively like with the writer slash editor or is that like uh, this person's getting a new look have fun and like you get to just make it up your, yourself oh uh, are, are you are, are you just are you talking about the uh, the, the... Nightcrawler outfit that we went with? Like, kind of just in general, because I think, like, a lot of different <laughs> things, like, Onslaught got uh, this weird design that I really love that Nico said what looked like, is her name Ruby Thursday? Yeah. Really, like, deep cut character that, like, mm-hmm. had some similarities, and you're like, oh, damn. So, like, stuff like that of, like, you get to make a new look for a character. Um, so for for that sequence with Onslaught, the, the, um, the description in the panel actually had him as sort of, like, like a weird mix between like modern uh you know modern big cerebro helmet xavier with like the sort of lithe bodysuit and then like you know he wanted like big gauntlets on him and stuff like that so that i like that one i just designed um on the page i was like i feel like i can i can probably i can i could probably wing this one it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> i can wing it and i i thought i was looking at him i thought i can i can change him i can make this work yeah <laughs> exactly an onslaught. not a problem if he's got a problem with it, you can call my manager uh <laughs> i don't have one uh so but um for for the the new the new nightcrawler outfit that we did um we i actually did those i did that back when i did his hellfire gala outfit mm-hmm. so we Sai saw that and i remember we were he gave me a description he's like we may also be able to use you know some of his hellfire design as like the new outfit that we might might want to do moving forward and i said okay so then like you know, we kind of went back and forth and it, th- that was more of a, a back and forth between um, Cy and I. And then, you know, obviously we keep the we keep the editors, you know, CC'd on all the emails and stuff like that <laughs> oh. so they can see what's happening. And oh. They just show up in the book all looking all weird. <laughs> <laughs> 
oh boy, that that'd be a very interesting day for someone to have the cojones to go here. Here's the character, and it's a completely different look. Here's what he <laughs> looks like now. Hope you like it. Hope you like it, and you you drop the pen, the, yeah. the your metaphorical tablet pen, because I know those can be kind of expensive, so don't break your pens. But yeah. your metaphorical <laughs> pen. <laughs> well, we really need you to go back. This is not on model, and and j- just stop responding to emails. <laughs> I'm not doing it. This is okay. this is this is my magnum opus. <laughs> this this specifically is my magnum opus. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I and I guess in that same vein of like a very similar question. So like David's back, and I like David's look because I think he looks like a Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah. He's this super muscly dude with really pointy hair mm-hmm. and just in sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> So exactly. like, yeah, David likes anime. David David watches Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> that's right. And he's like, that's the look I'm going for. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like a little bit of both, and depending on like the the design, I, I guess I could say of like some might be a lot more back and forth and collaborative, while others be like, we trust your vision. You can kind of just go as you please. Mm-hmm. With him in in this, I don't know. It was so that it was described as him having like a bunch of wires and things coming out of it. And I said, okay, yeah. I mean, we can we can do that. Sometimes in this book, I wish we'd gone a bit more Dragon Ball Z where it's just like panel after panel of people looking at each other going (laughs) power uh, up yeah exactly exactly but but we went a little bit more cerebral you know (laughs) a little bit less karate kick in the face but it's okay but yeah so i mean with that one i just kind of i just kind of said like okay well here's here's what i think a bunch of wires coming out of his head look like and everybody's like yep that's that's what wires look at coming out of his head looks like we're good with these Yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. There, there, there's not a ton. I mean, again, it's one of those situations where it's like, I think everybody, y- y- comics is such a breakneck business because you're moving so fast. And I think there's like, these poor editors are on so many different, you know, projects at the same time. And they're, you know, they're trying to watch this thing. And like, is this one on time? Oh, but the, you know, the, the, the colorist is scheduled to do this other thing. So we may not be able to get him to pages until this day. So he's only got, he's got, you know, four days to do 20 pages. And normally he needs four days to, to, to do eight pages and this isn't gonna work right like so you know like they're worried about that stuff and then you know it's mostly the artist and writer kind of going back and forth on like the does this work and you know uh, basically the editor gets involved when i go hey what what does this character look like right now right like what, what's the current costume um and that's usually where they will come in but at a certain point also like you don't have a ton of time to second guess you know what i mean especially especially at the point where we were uh, on this book because it was like <clears throat> i'd actually been pulled partway through that series to go work on cable reloaded right so like like, mm-hmm. I, I was doing this, and then they were like, hey, we need to get this cable book done. And I was like, cool, uh, I'll be back, you guys. So that by the time I came back, I did not have a ton of time to screw around. So <laughs> it, it definitely became like, okay, so is this is this good? We good with this? Okay, yes, that's what we're going with. <laughs> okay. I oh, I fully get that. You know, yeah. when, deadlines are, when deadlines are approaching, you're like, okay, this has to get done. Yeah, it's got to get done. And... When deadlines attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if deadlines could speak, <laughs> they'd say some mean things. <laughs> I, karate, I karate kick a deadline. I just I just turned in a book like five days early. What you want? I'm gr- <laughs> the greatest living comic book artist. <laughs> Just, just the fastest one, I think. <laughs> hey, listen, if no one else is going to dispute the title, it's up for yours to take. Oh, I mean, hey, man. <laughs> I listen, don't hear anybody else claiming it. <laughs> if we can be declared the best podcast on the internet, you can be declared the best comic book artist. I'm not here. I, I, I can declare just about anything I want, right? And, and, <laughs> and because no one's disputing, I continue to hold the title. Just the same way you get to keep the best podcast on the internet. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, boy. 
Um, well, when you were first getting into comic art, what was the what was the biggest thing you had to learn of like, oh, okay, this is something I'm going to have to keep in mind? Because I remember reading a thread on Twitter and something that I didn't initially think about is that when you're making comic art, you got to make room for the bubbles and lettering. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's so interesting because I don't like there, there's a certain number of people that I go out. So when I started, I started drawing comic strips, right? So mm-hmm. it was bottom two thirds or two characters talking to each other top third is just you know voice balloons and you'll you'll probably notice in in my pages there's a certain amount of that right like it has a certain i think i have carried over a certain amount of comic strippery to my comic book page right like i think i think that influence is fairly easily seen and felt uh both in the way that like i handle you know either comic timing in in the pages or just the way that um you know stuff is staged so i have a tendency to keep a pretty good eye on where voice balloons and bubbles and dialogue and stuff like that go just because I don't super love it when stuff gets overlapped in in, in weird ways so I make sure that I leave plenty of room uh, for stuff the thing that I'm that I struggle with I think the most as an artist is and there are a lot of people who are way better at it than I am is approaching the page as a singular piece um it, it, you know like it, 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 I have a I have a tendency to think about things as panel 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 and now the story is told but there are other other people who are much better at creating a cohesive like the page itself is a work of art as opposed to a series of panels that tell you a story and that's something that I really 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 am trying to get better at but I think at a certain point I need to sort of break myself of the well you have to stay very 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 close to the script in order to do it because you know um if you want to so, sometimes like for as a for instance I did an old James Bond book and on the last issue of it I just went completely crazy and went all right well what if i did a book where i didn't use any panel border and you know the pages ended up looking way different kind of weird but they still flowed well and it was kind of cool right and you know i ended up making a lot of really different choices as far as like how things were laid out like you know so like as a for instance like you might see a panel of somebody going oh making a big face something's about to attack me and then you know the the car hits the bad guy or whatever right but in this one it ended up being like you know the the character was sort of big and in the background and looking off into the distance making the big oh no something's gonna hit me face and then on top of that was like the car smashing them and stuff and uh, I wish I wish that I had a more time to think about this kind of thing but then also you know I, I was willing to take sort of those crazier chances where you know what no I am gonna like have a big weird face in the background and that's gonna communicate the thing that would normally be in a panel there um, and, and and again approach the page itself as a cohesive work of art as opposed to a series of pictures that tell you a story like storyboarding um anyway that's what i am trying to do with my art right now and i think that's something that um the really 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 great people do um maybe one of these days i'll figure it out i don't <laughs> i think you will because you're the greatest comic book artist there is right yeah, now. yeah that's a great point that's a great point you know so like the, maybe they can learn something from me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah maybe they can learn from you exactly <laughs> this has been probably like uh, this will be a highlight for i don't know how many years to come to think about and listen back to and enjoy <laughs> is there anything that we didn't get to specifically talk about that about the artistic process of a comic that you want
want people to know about or you would love to get a chance to talk about? Um, no, I mean, I, I don't think so. If I, here, here, if you're if you're listening to this to the greatest podcast on the internet, and what you really want to do is, is get into drawing comic books, all I can say is that you you really, 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 really need to love it because you know there there are days you're gonna wake up and you're gonna say I don't want to draw today, and, and you know you got to be able to find something on that page that's gonna hold your attention. You got to be able to find something that's gonna excite you, and you got and you got to be able to wake up every day, sit down at that desk, and just destroy your body by not moving for 12 hours <laughs> because because you super duper love it because if, if you don't super duper love it it's 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 a re- it can be a real slog um you know and i i know i have i have i have a, I have a few friends who've been doing it for a while um and, and some of which some of whom are getting you know real real disillusioned with it which you know breaks my heart because they're wildly talented people but it's like if if you don't if you don't have that because like here's the thing i don't think that if if i hadn't had uh an office job for 12 years that i would have had the discipline to be able to sit down and just grind it out for 12 hours behind the behind the drawing table getting these pages done you know what i mean like it takes an incredible amount of discipline because like you'll hear a lot you know uh, you know back in the image 90s days you know you get your book delayed for three months and you know uh, i guess that was okay but you know (laughs) a lot of them don't stand for that kind of stuff right now right like they'll they'll pull in another guy who will do those extra 15 pages that you missed you know Mm -hmm. and you probably don't want that and a it's not good for you because a you're you know losing out on money and then you know also you somebody else you, you may somebody may have compromised you know the 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 thing that you want to do oh man this guy did a shitty job on page eight. Oh, i don't know if i can swear on here i apologize <laughs> oh no oh please you can this we're the greatest podcast yeah, exactly, yeah, you yeah. can swear yeah you, can swear, you know <laughs> somebody might have done a, a cruddy job on page eight and you really were excited about that but you know you you, you didn't sit down you didn't have the, the discipline to do it but then you know um i it, it does a disservice to the people who really love reading it too because i mean for me at least when when all of a sudden i turn the page and it's a different artist you know i'm just like oh it takes me right out of the story you know what i mean because like suddenly what you to what what you want is art that's fun and inspiring but i think the moment it changes really dramatically it draws attention to itself and when when that happens you sort of break the the reader's attention right or or maybe the 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 sense of continuity between the thing right like suddenly all the characters look a little bit different because this guy draws noses kind of funny and and you know suddenly the you've you've pulled the reader out of the experience just for a moment um which i which i think is is no good like you want you want art that's cool and awesome but doesn't necessarily draw attention to itself you know what i mean to an extent right you you you, to my mind you need to be in service of the story but all that comes back to you really 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 need to understand you know if if you want to if you want to draw these things professionally what you're getting into because it's it's a it's tough job it is very very difficult in your body like during the panini i was not able to get the gym much and i started to have some really substantial uh back and neck problems by mm-hmm. about month 10 of the pandemic and it just got worse and then recently you know i bought a bunch of weights for the house so i could start lifting you know just in my office before i got to work and that really helped a lot but you know it's 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 a very it's it's a surprisingly taxing job on the body so again you really really need to love this job luckily i do so it's not a problem <laughs> but you know if, you know what's the old quote comics will break your heart and they can but if you love it i, I don't it, you can't find you can't find a better job on the planet myself that is um I think that's re- really important advice for anybody, and I think that's 
it also just rings true for so many different things that I think people look at and you're like, oh, this would be fun. Mm -hmm. And you like it as a hobby. And I I liken this to uh, years ago, I was listening to an interview with voice actors and somebody said, if you want to do voice acting, you have to commit to it. It's not something that you're just like, oh, hey, I want to go do some voice acting. Let me send in a clip or audition. No, it's like a real, it's a job. You have (laughs) to commit. This is what you want to do if you want to find any amount of success. And you know, what you personally define as success is very different. Everybody's success will will look differently. But I think a lot of people define success as working at a big distributor or a big company or working on a big project, whatever it may be. And if that's one of your goals, you got to really like think about, okay, what does this mean? How much do I have to commit? How much Mm -hmm. can I commit? Like imagine being a voice actor, right? And and your whole livelihood is dependent on your voice. And probably 50% of any voice session you're going to go into is just scream. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like these guys are going in and they're doing video games, right? Get, get down, get behind the thing. We're shooting the aliens, right? Like, and that you got to go in there and you got to do that for four hours. You know what I mean? And it and comics is very much the same way. You have to sit down. Like I for I had a really bad pencil elbow two years ago, and last night I woke up in the middle of the night with my forearm like in incredible pain. <laughs> and, and you know why it was? Because I hadn't been able. I have not been able to lift weights in a couple of days. So you know, because like you know, I, I told you before that we just moved so it's like all of our stuff is is only in all these different boxes and i sat in a car driving across country and then immediately sat down and started drawing comics and at no point did i start taking care of my body at all (laughs) it's just a disaster over here so anyway kids what i'm saying is get on a good workout regimen early uh take some good supplements eat healthy you're gonna you're you know what what, uh, there's this really great quote from uh, uh a how gelb song and it's like don't don't carry carry the weight now while you're a younger man don't push it off on the older you do it now while you can while you can be the strongest version of yourself because that older version of you is gonna be very angry at you (laughs) that older version of you i I, oh oh yeah uh also do some stretching in the morning like every day when you wake up take like five minutes to stretch i promise if you do that young it will do wonders for you 100 i i my my wife has to use are you familiar with the tiger stick yes yeah so my wife has to tiger stick my legs because i sit so much and it's wildly painful So, yeah, there, um, so there you go, kids. There you go. <laughs> what, what, what else do the kids want to know? <laughs> oh, uh, also, this also, I don't know. I feel like I just need to say this also applies to streaming because I think a lot of kids see streaming nowadays and like that's the, that's the big thing. Oh, like, yeah. When I was growing up, um, YouTube was like just starting to like hit its, I don't want to call it the golden era, but like YouTube was almost near its point of being its competitor for TV, mm-hmm. but also like a potential viable career path because when you tell, when you were like, in the early aughts to early teens and you're like I'm a YouTuber people looked at you weird like but what do you actually do yeah what's your real job though (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I unbox (laughs) Disney princess toys that's a real oh. job i guarantee it no it is oh my god the amount of, and then you think and then i joke but the amount of money people make on unboxing disney princesses or not unboxing and getting to look at it and be it's sick. give a full review oh, you're yeah. like damn um and no, i think well, the, all that all that twitch stuff just got leaked didn't it, it was like those uh oh those yeah cool twitch... old guys make like 10 million bucks a year or something like that oh boy they make a lot of money and a lot of people do <laughs> I don't know, man. Like uh, th- to me, that critical role stuff, don't get mad at them because they run a whole empire over there and they have like yes, employees they do. and stuff. So, uh, and, but they, you know, it's like, I don't know. Everybody gets mad at streamers. 
who, who people cares? getting mad at streamers for making money and you're like yeah. what do you like, what do you they, think donating money to yeah. them did what, what, <laughs> are those, what, what are those bits and subs doing you moron you're paying them like I'm, you you're, like you're, their content congratulations like yeah. somebody that you like is actually making it like uh, and uh, it's successful i it's so wild what people will get mad about and I, people are successful i'm like yeah sometimes people, they are man you know <laughs> and i think a great a great quote to end it i i i did not think this up 100 percent because i read so much stuff and i'm like it sticks my brain and every now and then my brain will be like hey you remember this when you read that and i'm like oh cool nice mm-hmm. and it's the most random things but something one of the things that stuck with me is people will get mad at the success they think that they should have had oh that makes a ton of sense that makes it because like somebody somebody was saying that it's like 0.8 percent of the streamers are the are, are the ones that make like at least fifty thousand dollars a year because there's like some millions or billions of numbers of streamers and it's like there's only like 600 or something of them that actually make like what would be considered like american median wage or above or something it's some crazy number like that yeah it's a it's another one of those things of like it is a huge it's a huge money upfront cost of getting proper streaming equipment Mm -hmm. because you need everything to look good and then it's also you gotta it's it's the same thing of using your body for nine to twelve hours a day of you're sitting down and you're playing video games or doing whatever kind of streaming you're doing for that amount of time you got to be on you got to be likable you got to be entertaining you got to acknowledge your chat it's yeah is it look it's a really hard job i've attempted to stream uh drawing in the past and it's like it's very difficult to a draw and b be responsive to your chat and like you know i have a really i actually have a super fun time doing it but you know i don't do it regularly at all you know because comics is super difficult work and stuff like that but like you know i'm i'm actually hoping with my with my upcoming graphic novel that um i i may be able to like stream the the drawing process on some of the pages and you know talk to people and tell them about what i'm working on and and stuff like that um but you know i don't know the the other the other part of it yeah like yeah some people are successful at it if you're not making a lot of money on twitch maybe your stream sucks like settle down (laughs) i don't don't know right wanted to go see your not sucky stream where yeah. can they uh what can they follow you and what are you is there anything that you can talk about that you're currently on or the reason besides like way if you haven't read way of x slash revelations onslaught i don't know what to tell you because we bang our pots and pans on how much we love that title uh, over here I cannot is there thank anything? you enough for all the kind words I really, oh really it, it's it. all genuine no we, <laughs> we genuinely did enjoy the entire ride of what it was and everything that goes into it as well so thank Thank you. Is there anything that you'd like to promote that we can see you upcoming on or yes. can talk about? So uh, I think next week, which would be what the, the is it this week or the next week? I can't, I don't I can't remember. Uh, I think it's next week, 19th or 20th or maybe the 27th. I can't remember it. So please forgive me. Uh, Thor 18 comes out and I have um, 10 pages in that that I had. I did a little fill in on that. And I'm here to tell you they're the 10 best pages in the book, not because I drew them necessarily but because they are the most fun pages i don't know <laughs> why the poor original artist pascal ferry couldn't get to them but he really gave i i was left with the gems so uh, apologies to pascal but um i i really enjoyed the crap out of that so please go pick that up support your local bob um and then i just turned in the last page of um the death of dr strange x-men black knight crossover oh oh i am looking forward to that yeah uh, 
I've been told by Marvel editorial that it's the uh, the best work I've ever done. So that's got to tell you something. That's um, a high compliment. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really cool. Uh, and then I'm I'm currently talking to them about something I'm not sure if I'm going to do. Uh, and then I've got another thing that I'm kind of sort of working on that isn't going to be done until February. And then I've got a graphic novel I can't talk about yet because it hasn't been announced. But, you know, I'll probably be able to stream pages of me drawing it, you know, with their permission coming up soon so you can find me on all the various social media websites robot jq on twitter bob q draws on facebook i never post there king of smaster on instagram i never i never post there anymore either Um, (laughs) robot jq on twitch (laughs) oh oh boy you know ain't, ain't that the truth some I really fat. I think so. So, so many social medias will come and go. Something will overtake one or the other, and you'll find yourself being like, eh, "I don't want to hang out on that one anymore." Something yep. is easier to also just break into and get engagement on. But yeah, anyway, it, 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 as, soon, as soon as Facebook buys it, jump off. It turns into a turd. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, ain't that the truth? And if you'd like to follow me, not really jumping off any turds because I am a part of the greatest podcast on the internet. Absolutely, you can <laughs> follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. And again. Thank you to Bob for talking to me and giving Pete us Jonah a bit. currently going as Emma Frost's nose job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, if Emma Frost was real, she'd snap my neck and I'd say thank you for that. Mm. But I, the only reason why it's that, and I will be changing it to, I will be changing it to something not quite as uh, rude. <laughs> Is because I thought I remembered Emma talking about a nose job from her nose getting broken, very specifically in Grant Morrison's new X-Men when uh, Emma Frost and Cyclops went to go confront Johnny Sublime. She has to break her nose or something like that. And I thought she talked about getting a nose job, and that's the only reason why I thought it was funny. Well, I think it's hilarious either way, so we're good here. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Hey guys, Nico here again. This next segment, Darkhold Alpha, it's it's a little bit mature audiences, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but we had such an amazing time, and it got so queer. So queer and so loud. And guys, we had such an amazing time. So if you're a little bit like, that's enough. Okay, this is a little bit excess for podcast after dark. But it was an amazing time, and we hope you guys enjoy it just as much as we did. And don't forget to check out after this clip for a little spooky extra, featuring a little bit more information on one of my favorite of the X-Men's terrifying villains. Hey everybody, welcome to another another segment where we weekly talk about mutant comic mutants marvels and magic i'm nathan you can find me online at dazzler aoa at twitter and instagram i'm nico and you guys can find me on twitter and instagram at nico action that's n-i-c-o-a-c-t-i-o-n and i am excited to hear uh, i messed up my joke and i'm excited to be here and be a dark hoe oh uh, yes i am kevo and you can find me on the socials at kevo really k-e-v-o-r-e-a-l-l-y and i was not warned before going into this that it was a horror comic so that was an exciting twist for me oops hi i'm broadway you can find me at twitter at bway 3rd um, i also have a really bad pony joke which is that dr doom's pup name is dark hole alpha oh, love it, love it. Yes. 
And I must be Jonah, and you can find me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah, that's P-E-A-K, and I hope you survive this experience as well as everybody else does, unlike the five that decided to read the Book of Cthulhu or whatever, and they became mad, and now they're in goth sub-outfits, and they're like, meh, we're into pain and stuff, and we're masochists. <laughs> and- Be more invested, okay? <laughs> Wanda's like, no, I'm only into vanilla! And everyone else is like, no, we're doing kinky stuff now! And Wanda's like, no, we can't! I'm kinky in the dark hold! Hey, you know, uh, he married a toaster. What do you expect? And I guess that means we're talking about the dark hold? I mean, the dark hold alpha? So, this wonderful book has been brought to us by Steve Orlando is the writer, Cyan Tormi is the artist, Jesus Abertov is the color artist, and VC's Clayton Cowles is the letterer and production. Ooh. Uh, before we get into the like the, the, the dark hole of it all, like what do how do we feel that this book was presented maybe as a like current production, but now we find out that hey, cool, you know what? No matter what happens here, it takes place before Violet Magneto and then by fact Inferno itself. So Okay, I have a thing. And I think you have a really good point, right? Okay, okay, okay. Now, anybody here buy this book on Comixology? I know I did. I did. I did, right? Then I does guess it, I did too. Does your and so did Jonah technically? <laughs> so does it say on yours that this book is from 2020 as well? Parenthesis 2020. Yeah. So it, it does on the Marvel app. Yeah. So it's credited as a book that was perhaps maybe even meant to be released in 2020, and perhaps it got delayed due to COVID, and it just got held off forever. And that would not shock me in the least mm-hmm. if this had actually been produced for a release at the end of 2000 and it just got put off forever because I gotta be honest this feels absurdly redundant right now with Mm -hmm. everything going on in Trial of Magneto for Wanda, Sword for Doctor Doom, and Dark Ages for already getting uh, you know, hot goth fuck baby version of everybody on the book. (laughs) So I'm just, you know, other than the fact that I want to go for drinks with Steve Orlando. Hey, Steve, let's do this, right? Right? I think we'd have a great time. Let's hang, right? Other than that, I feel like, why this book right now? Yeah. I guess that was your question. So my answer to your question is, <laughs> have you heard your question? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm asking. Why this book right now? Ugh. Like, is it going to mean anything? Like, you know, like, what are you guys' thoughts? If I had to guess, I would say why this book right now is is WandaVision and probably Multiverse of Madness, but I don't know how this will relate to those things in the end. Especially because none of them can star Doctor Doom. No. Or Blade. Or can they? I, or, well, can they? Blade is getting a movie. We don't know what the development on it is, but we've known that Mahershala Ali is going to be playing Blade as far back as 2019. But is there time and to get him involved in Multiverse of Madness? I have no idea what's going on over there anymore man Mahershala call me let's go for drinks let me know those spoilers are to be anything to be believed Woo! there's a lot of stuff going on with that I mean so who knows so Nico can attest to this I have been on a personal journey crusade and mission to read every Kate Bishop Bishop appearance there is and so for a little bit I was following the Marvel Unlimited because it gives a little bit of a list of like this is what this character appears in you should read this and Nico was like well no I will get you the actual list she makes a lot more appearances that's just more so what they're trying to push so I 
had, in my personal opinion, the misfortune of reading Children's Crusade right before reading this. And I was Ooh, like, good timing. The, they Is it ever good timing to read the Children's Crusade? I don't think it is, but I'm sorry you read that. But I mean, at least it's brought up here. Well, that's what I'm saying. It came back to haunt me because I had to like I had to read it because I was like, well, this, it it does star Kate and it's important. And I guess if I like um, Billy, I technically still have to read this. And then I read that and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. It felt like somebody really just wanted to ship Wanda and Doctor Doom together and found a way to make that work to get them in a wedding scene. And then I got to read this book and I. I was like my sins are crawling on my back right now because this book won't leave me alone but there is no kate bishop to save me from this book no. so, so this now is I'm, your personal children's crusade oh. uh, well i'm no longer a child so teen crusade i don't know anyway you're not a teen <laughs> 24 if you're like a early day 20s. <laughs> 20s. early 20s crusade am <laughs> uh, i 20 something's crusade that doesn't really have a ring to it well hold on wait jonah oh, is yeah. the baby of the room not by much but he is i am so then I get to this book when Nico was like talking when, when I saw the solicits of like things that were potentially we're going to be covering or looking at I was like okay well this is going to be a much more mystical book and I only really knew what the cover and it has Dr. Doom on it and I was like okay I mean I guess I'll read it and then I read this and I was like I was not expecting this book to <laughs> do what it did so not only did I get a completely unexpected book of where the plot is going of things I'm so- learning so much about Wanda character i now have to relive children's crusade oh no (laughs) broadway how do you feel about that time fuck are you at all yeah i've kind of decided internally that this is one of those stories that like by the end of it it's like oh that happened sort of like a side quest or like a dlc like it happened but it's not the most primary in terms of like continuity like i don't think this like supersedes what's going on in trial of magneto and i don't know if like the ram Ramifications of it will either so i'm sort of just enjoying the ride and just like oh like scarlet witch just like went on like a little like side quest <laughs> and that is exactly what this feels like it's not worth the experience points <laughs> <laughs> hey you know what sometimes you just have to like beat it with a sword and then sometimes you get those like level up points but anyway i do have to say you know victorious is not a character that i i read the fantastic four but up until the bride of dunark i haven't really seen much of victorious as a character themselves so i was really fascinated to learn more of this character now on this journey are there any characters that were fascinated to see more of and learn a little bit more about him. I don't need to really know more about him. I'm just more happy he's alive and there in Black Bolt. The Inhumans ain't really doing much right now. <laughs> They're kind of just on the moon. And then I was like, well, like, Black Bolt's like really powerful and like really important and he don't speak, so he's really easy to just put into a book. You don't have to give him any dialogue. You just have to give him like certain like faces and stuff. And then I guess you could speak sign language. But then more importantly, he doesn't actually speak because he's got the most powerful 
single voice in the world or some bullcrap like that. He'd appear more, but you can thank Crispin Glover for that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he can talk to Dazzler. She can hear him. She can. (laughs) Oh, oh boy. That fight was interesting. (laughs) It was. (laughs) Yeah, Dazzler's beat a a, really quick side tangent. Dazzler's canonically beat a lot of really interesting people. I vote for original Dazzler to fight a very different kind of black. (laughs) So, out of the characters chosen when they did the, the casting of the spell to gather these people who fit these molds and these archetypes i was happy and surprised to see black bolt because it's a character i was not expecting because i don't really know why he's not being utilized as much so i was just happy to see a character that wasn't (laughs) well the IVX of it all. <laughs> the IVX of it all. Anyway, I was just happy to see specifically him here. Because I like him and Medusa. That's about the only Inhumans I like. Uh, Crystal's cool too, kinda. I mean... I yeah. will say, I enjoy that Crystal consistently cheated on Johnny and felt no remorse. <laughs> my favorite and Piedro. So like, <gasps> Ooh, yes. people just don't respect my favorite Inhuman anywhere near enough, but that's fine because he knows exactly what to do about that. So I think the thing I find the most fascinating about this the thing I find okay the character I find the most fascinating in this entire book is Steve Orlando okay I really want to explain that because I don't mean it shitty and I don't mean it biting no I mean it like Steve Orlando has a very specific almost acidic taste of horror to his work and we saw it recently in the pages of curse of the man thing mm-hmm. and we see it again here and i think it's a, a type of horror that's for some people and not others but i think it boils down to a real 70s sense of motherfuckery and mm-hmm. i think it's born out of copied vhs's of divine cabaret And I think it's born out of learning how to love yourself with a JCPenney's underwear section and American Gladiators. And I feel like this is... Over-identifying. But but I do think it's specifically born out of a very specific (laughs) No, I get what you're saying. Old repeats of Dark Shadows and classic episodes of (laughs) Doctor Who. Yes, exactly. And I feel like we're sort of, and I mean this lovingly, but we're kind of seeing Orlando show his his very specific fandom here. Mm-hmm. and I find that very attractive because you know I'm I'm a humongous Jason Aaron's Avengers guy I will forever I will stand that book harder than anyone ever should but I stand everything Jason Aaron harder than anyone should right I think <laughs> and I everybody's got a hill to die on I've chosen this one the rest of you can keep your Golgotha so <laughs> and the hills are alive the hills are alive with, with the, the sounds of life. shit the hills have <laughs> eyes because Golgotha is the hill that the shit monster yeah. in in dogma comes from anyway oh so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah also yeah, the yeah, bible yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh also the bible oh yeah that too <laughs> you know source material that thing. <laughs> i would say dogma's canon supersedes the bible you know what? And X-Men has an arc called Golgotha by Pete Milligan. And so it that does. supersedes everything. But, you know, so Orlando is really specifically saying, you know, so I'm sorry, the whole reason I brought up the Avengers thing, right? So I love this reinterpretation of Blade, right? I love that every now and then somebody says, this is my Avenger. And you all kind of just need to get with it and get over. It. And I feel like for Mark Wade and George Perez, that Avenger
Avenger was Carol. And they all just told you, get over it. She's forever an Avenger, deal with it. And then I feel like for Bendis, it was Luke Cage. And he said he is forever an Avenger, deal with it. And for Hickman, it was Doctor Strange. And I feel like for Aaron, his character centerpiece is twofold, which is why one of them has to get spun off. But Robbie, Robbie, my, my beautiful Robbie, and Blade. And I feel like seeing Blade here is sort of representative of kind of Orlando getting to say, look, that weird 70s horror stuff I like. It's really prominent right now. Look what I get to do. I do my thing. Like, he had so much fun writing this. Sometimes I wonder if he sent photos of himself making these faces in the mirror to the <laughs> artist to be like, but this is exactly the face Wanda needs to make. <gasps> right? Like, she just sat on it too fast. Like, that is specifically... And I love that about this book. It really is. It's Steve Orlando's gay agenda all over this mm-hmm. book, and I really love it. I like the horror vibes of it, and it does remind me, as you, you know, you said, like, the 70s of it all, and, like, as a person who loves, like, a slasher film, I do love... The- the sort of gaggle of people who may may or may not already know each other, but they're sort of thrown into a situation that's like way above their pay grade, right? And I love that in horror, I can feel that like here. I like that energy and I like the kind of mood about this book. There's like a mood about this book that I really appreciate. I'm not going to be able to articulate it the best, but it's even the fact that they're in this like underground area. It's all kind of gray, like it doesn't look fun, which is inviting to me. The, the macabre atmosphere translates yes. to a positive mm. experience if that's what you're looking for. Yep. And I like the ooky spooky. Like, I'm, I'm here for oh, that. So like, I, my plan is to marry Michael Myers, and it's been that way since I was in fifth grade. And, like, that's oh, just going to yeah. be what it is, you know? I, I like the ooky spooky. And I get what you're saying. It isn't that it's desaturated or that they are using specific color filters or anything. It's that they are gravitating toward colors that facilitate the atmosphere you're describing. You know, it's it's the shot of Doom fighting his way through other world, uh, and it's all of these oranges juxtaposed with the acidic greens. I was like, yeah, right there are oranges in <laughs> when he comes back, and you know, it's it, it's a really specific color story being told to inspire that atmosphere without leaning too hard into anything too stylish or avant-garde with those oranges. Oranges, right? Like even, you know, on the page where I don't know who this character is, but the dude who had the bottom of Doom's jaw, I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah. There's like a shot of some sort of like elder god kind of mm. uh hellboy thing in the sky. And it's like that is so punchy, and then like the orange on the buildings is so like drab, right? And it's that kind of like like the the brightness is really like pulling life and light from other spaces. And to me, that kind of gets at the horror element of it. Yeah, are, are you talking about page? Well, I can't. I see it. Page twenty-two of digital. Like, yes, oh my god. Yeah, exactly. Like that right there. Like I've seen. I've seen that the tentacles coming out of the sky in so many different media's. Like the most recent one I can remember is um, the mechanical aliens in Star Trek: Picard that were coming out of that wormhole or whatever that they did for there. I was like, gosh, this is so like this is so horror-esque. I, I'm digging it. I'm loving it. Uh, it. Nico did bring up a really great point about wait before you tell me how great i am which i can't wait to hear you know i love it but i need to i mean i got to assume for you the character you're most you know jizzy jazz about is janet but i wouldn't be surprised if you pulled something wacky out so what character has you the most excited to cover this 
obviously Janet, like I, <laughs> this will definitely lead into my next question. So like what, what I love about Steve Orlando's writing about this book is Steve Orlando loves that era of the Avengers where Jan was the chairperson and, you know, you have Wanda on the team and obviously Tony is always there because, you know, whatever, Tony's always there. But, you know, what was your guys' Avengers era? Like, or do you have an Avengers era that you're like deeply in love with? Like me leading up to 300 with Monica Rambeau and Jan and She-Hulk and, oh, I guess Tony's there and Beast left a while ago. But what's your guys' Avengers era? It's tough. I guess I have a couple. I mean, you know, it's 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 really tough because the Avengers was one book or two books for so mm. long, and then it was a plethora of books, and I definitely found more things for me in the diverse plethora of books. Mm. I would say I really love different shades of Avengers. I love the Gillen McKelvey Young Avengers. I love the kind of mid-era New Avengers Bendis, kind of like everything Civil War, because I don't love the original new avengers it's kind of clunky but i love everything kind of like civil war through like heroic age Mm. and uh i think savage avengers is sharp as shit anytime i get to see jericho and electra stab shit together and there's a bucket of blood i'm mr bucket i mean i'm i'm in That was just for you, Nathan. That was. (laughs) I am, of course, the movie guy. I Mm. am not as familiar with the comics, so I don't really know as many comic lineups of the Avengers as others. To me, my perspective on the comic Avengers is sort of like, I don't know, like some sort of fraternity or club or like team of military, I guess, where people Mm. sort of rotate in and out. I don't really see one team of Avengers I've just sort of been collecting in my head okay was this person ever an Avenger at any point in their career yes right is usually the answer for most people I have found yeah no I mean mean, really yeah completely I am therefore most intrigued by who these characters are as far as the MCU goes I am looking at it from that perspective and like okay well Tony's dead so if they were doing something like this it would probably be Riri instead but we do have a chance it. Like I mentioned, you. we have oh, Mahershala coming up as Blade. They tried Black Bolt. That didn't so much mm. work out. Who knows? Wait, but actually, you just said um, you just you said a bunch of things, and so many <laughs> of them were so good. There's yeah. one thing I do need to ask. Iron Man is always an Avenger because duh, Blade is currently an Avenger. Wasp is the Avenger, and don't challenge me on it. No, Spider Man is an Avenger half the time, I guess. Mm. Scarlet. It's not, but like, there's never, there, he's, He's one man. There's never any time. I'm so expider. I'm so expider. I'm so spider sense. And oh, like, caffeine pills did you so take, Nico? I just seriously could not tell you how this one fucker. I mean, I know he was bit by a magic spider, but you know. Anyway, uh, that was again for Nathan and Jonah. Um, but when the fuck in the good glorious name of Jarvis was Black Bolt ever? an Avenger. And therefore, what prompted the choice of using this character for this story? When Hickman when Hickman wrote Avengers and Black Bolt was a member of the Illuminati, was he a, a pro- 
proper member of like the Avengers World Avengers Corps while also being an inhuman during the Age of Inhumanity? He was not. Because yep. I am currently going through the Hickman era and you only see Black Bolt. I mean, you, you see Black Bolt, I think, in both books in Infinity, but like that's also because Infinity is like a crossover, right? He is only in the Illuminati and he's part of that like, I feel like the Illuminati is sort of split between like classic sort of Avengers, you know, Captain America, Iron Man, etc. And then there's the, yeah, we do this sometimes, but also we're really here because like we got King making shit to do, which is like <laughs> Black Ball, Black Panther, and Namor. And I feel like you see Black Ball more in that collective than like even when they went to fight like the builders and stuff like that, Black Ball was on Earth fighting Thanos. So it is an interesting choice. I wonder if they're like doing this to re-up the Inhumans and maybe sort of reintroduce them after the, the failure of the show and all of that like mm -hmm. and and i think that they sort of fell off in the comics as well i think as they returned to their spot as not the x-men um <laughs> yeah i think this might be a chance yeah. to like judge them back up but like it is a curious choice compared to everyone else i mean yep. but it's kind of like it's sort of like damaged hair you can only tease it so much <laughs> yeah. and like especially and, but, so close together yeah <laughs> and on the subject of trying to do a perm on top of a perm i feel like you know you really said something <laughs> i love but like scarlet witch girl really might need a break and i feel like it, it, if this had come out before trial of magneto i probably wouldn't feel that way i would feel like maybe even trial was better earned instead of hey scarlet witch where have you been? oh you're dead <laughs> yeah but like the poor girl she had a show and she hasn't shown up just like monica rambo and agatha harkness but you know hey, but whatever the, but that the rumor is that both of them are getting disney plus shows because disney oh, is just God, learning yes. how much money comic book fans will spend spend on strong women Literally. i just oh, feel like is like the I, golden age golden Holy age shit. of all things super <laughs> give me anything with monica rambo i'm buying it so like fuck yeah but that's a really interesting point that you bring up though just that wanda right now there's an oversaturation of her with the trial of magneto and the Darkhold. but before that we really didn't see much of her she appeared a little bit in strange academy but obviously the kids are the main characters of that and then before that we got a little glimpse of her in x-men empire and x-men and empire avengers too haha <laughs> like both going on at the same time and i just have to say like what is the characterization of wanda right now. Steve Orlando takes a really steep superhero approach but all of the other concurrent approaches to Wanda is that she's a deeply troubled woman wrestling with the fact that she has decimated meat and kind. So what is who is Wanda as a hero? That is a Can, great question. I mean if you have something go ahead otherwise. Oh I literally don't have an answer. I, I, don't know. <laughs> oh, I have I have an enormous answer for the love of God anybody but me. Then, then let me tap in as the most novice of the group. Uh, the person with the least experience with Wanda. Most of my experience is Lizzie Olsen. Uh, I've read some stuff from the comics. My perception of her from this is I, I don't know. What was she thinking is really what I came away from this with. Like every choice that she made was very, oh, I'm gonna well, work with you, Victor. And then, oh, great, you're all then gonna read the magnet, it exactly right. 
<laughs> then Orlando got it exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, that's that's troubling. Why did anyone agree to do this? How do all of these people not know her better then? to have agreed to read this madness book like i kept being like how is everyone keep asking the question of how much is too much but nobody's answering the question but now they're all reading the book but they're still asking the question but now they're still reading the book wait what so okay so what was their exit I, strategy nothing i am i am that friend okay What's so friend? please please the friend i'm about to describe in horrifying detail oh god and, uh, uh you know when you have that you always have that friend that like you believe in them and they come to you and they're like yeah i got this idea man and they're like that's a great idea your friends are always so supportive and they're like yeah man right and, and you're always sort of like there's crazy wanda with another fucking idea let's just <laughs> let's just hope somebody stops her or takes away her credit card or somebody sits with her when she's drinking so she doesn't drunk dial two x's ago one more time i don't know what they did but they're literally not allowed back in utah not that they'd want oh no <laughs> i know which which friend Wanda is? I I know which friend of mine Wanda is. I get her now. She's right? a friend of ours who lives in Florida. <laughs> yes. So yeah, okay. Yes. So oh. Wanda, Wanda is that friend that that friend that's always. I got this. I got this one crazy idea, and it's just gonna work this time, right? It's gonna work, but like, it's not a sad for them because they truly believe it. They really believe it. They believe it every time. They believe it so much. They believe it so hard. You can taste it. You believe it with them. They they got you. You're with them. You're right there. And Wanda is that fucking friend. Every fucking time, she's gonna she's gonna look at you with those eyes, and you're gonna say, "All right, all right, which which hell dimension are we going to this time?" And she's like, "No, not a hell dimension, just a purgatorium." and like it's it's never quite as bad as it could be except the times that it is right and then everybody talks about that time wanda went and blew up all the mutants you know what i mean it's sort of chilly describing it to t-boz as lisa went and burned the whole house down you know what i mean it's that moment for me every fucking time it's me watching that behind the music in my sister's room you know what i mean so i will always I will I will die for Wanda. Kevy, you literally okay. remember me sobbing and screaming in the theaters and like I love this girl. Not really, she's fictional. But like um <laughs> no, it's she, fine. she's just not somebody she's somebody you root for despite herself. She's but not why somebody did Peter say yes. Because he's Peter! He's, he's the fool! He's the he's same! Is he really in every single book? I feel like he's in everything. Is he like the Wolverine of the outside of the X-Men? He is. Yes. He is. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Six claws or eight legs, you get to be in everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I get it. Wonder Twink, but like... No, that's North Star. <laughs> uh, but he's mm. more of like... He's grown up now. He's more of like... He's like a twonk. twonk. Wonder yeah. Twunk? He's yeah, like he's twonk. like a Wonder Twunk. Peter never gets upgraded from Twink. He never no. gets the, recognized with the title of Jack. Jedi Master. He is always, always treated this way. But he can be Spider Daddy Twink or Science yeah. Daddy Twink or Yeah, you can be a Daddy Twink. twink. A Twink can yeah, be a Daddy. It's a thing. Unlike, Do we start calling them Twinks? <laughs> Unlike Bobby uh, Drake, who's just like hmm. always like way too old to be a Twink, but he thinks he is. I always oh, just oh, think yeah, of Bobby Drake twink. as uh, Silver Surfer, but really wet. He's a Twink. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Bobby's like post Twink 
and being a bottom is entirely his personality, but you're like, sis, you're 35. Like, what is... What are we doing here? The second okay. sphincter gave out a long time ago. You that are... can't be your defining personality trait anymore, that. my open friend. You have no career. You're doing nothing with your life. You need to get it together. Yep, he's that. But as an aggressive dominant top, I really love bottoms that are like, look, just do whatever you want. Ten points. <laughs> he's already doing this book, and y'all are just dragging, dragging hey, no around me. Nobody's business. He's not mentioned. Oh, oh, are standing in the corner like, no, no. I could be the best bottom, but I don't do that for anyone but Kyle. Oh, he is totally, like, Dom Top. But anyway, Jonah. No, he is what? a sissy little bottom waiting for he a real is, Dom to teach him his place. Uh, okay. Probably verse. I it, I feel like it's bratty bottom. Like, doesn't give bottom energy. Yes! Busted open at home, but like, Fuck yeah. is like, like demure about it. It's like a lady about it. Like I would never do such a thing. <laughs> Actually, it was there at the convention. I saw what you did in the hotel room. Like I know. Three fingers tells me otherwise. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, both of you would assume that it was only in the hotel room and not the lobby bathroom as well, or the stairwell, <laughs> or the third the stairwell floor bathroom that's in the section that's not being used for service right now. It's by where the kitchen is. So if you go Come to on. the left, it's still you know an what? open public the bathroom. Stairwell is, the stairwell is I more fun, say, okay? how busy do you think he was at this convention, but he's a speedster, isn't he? So I guess that makes sense. Do you know what type of... What was the question? Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Jonah, what type, what of, type of hero is Wanda to you? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Um, what type of hero is Wanda to you? Well, I mean, I wanted to hear what the other question was. Yeah, I know. What was your question, Kevo? Like, that was, like, maybe even better. What, what type of bottom? bottom yeah. What type of bottom do you think North Star is? So if you want to combine them and answer what kind of bottom you think Wanda is... Um, I personally love the headcanon that Wanda and Vision tried to do role play, but Vision didn't really understand what that meant. Oh, well, see, for me, it's that Scarlet Witch gets too into character and she loses herself. <laughs> well, you see, she gets Scarlet a job as a flight okay. attendant. Might as well go into this. Scarlet Why do you mean this like, They try, like, I very specifically think they tried to have, like, a professor-student, like, relationship thing, and he was like, your grades are bad, and she started having a panic attack because she was a straight-A student her entire <laughs> life so she's never had to deal with that before and she got really too into it (laughs) you don't have straight A's in the circus do you know what happens oh my god oh my god Wanda is Amanda Sefton holy shit what the fuck but so when I think of Wanda as a hero, I think of somebody like her children, more specifically Billy. And I think Billy takes very much after her in that they both don't mind their business and run straight like headfirst into a problem thinking they can take care of it with their magic. But really, they create a lot more problems. Sometimes yes. they're their own coalition. Mm-hmm. But really, they kind of just do whatever the fuck they want and they get mad at people when they mess up and make things harder for them and everybody else. And they're like, but but, but no, I Wanda is a petulant gay teen. Yes. Oh my god, exactly. I think she is. I think she might be. She's the older white woman at the gay club. (laughs) (laughs) No! She has this gaggle of twinks that she thinks are her friends, but really, they just use her for, like, her bar tab. Oh, God, she buys them drinks. They're not mean to her, but they're not really her friends either. My God, she tells everybody about how she drives a Jetta. I don't even know what it means, but she's just constantly talking about her Jetta. Uh. (laughs) Oh. 
She has the best recipe for sangria you've ever what? had. What does that even Just mean? Don't get it on your couch. No one... <laughs> oh my god, I know Wanda. You know Wanda! Wanda is every white girl in all of us. <laughs> and she needs to be contained. <laughs> Wanda is the white girl of the friends we made all along. I don't know. I feel like Wanda stumbles into things, which again is why I was on board with like petulant teen gay, where it's like you're a disaster and you don't mean to be, but you're trying your best. But there's a lot of shit going on, but you don't really have the means to work it out or talk to anyone about it. So you just do your best and your best starts like sets the building on fire. Your best like gets a virus on the family computer and... (laughs) That I find deeply relatable. Your um, best makes Satan babies. It happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like your best, like alters reality. Your best depowers a whole population. Your best people. fucks a robot. Yeah, like, <laughs> and you're just trying, <laughs> trying so hard. I would, I would like to pitch something so everybody knows that there is the Karen, obviously. <laughs> oh god! But I don't really feel like there is a name for this white girl that we are describing. The Wanda. The I- Wanda. I mean, Wanda. it's it, we could call it the Wanda. I was going uh, to just as to suggest a white girl named Katie, and it's exactly <laughs> however you think it should be spelled. Oh, her barista always spells it wrong. Katie. It's, <laughs> it's specifically Caitlin. If you pictured C A T I E, that's it. If you pictured K A T I E. K-A-D-I-E, any way you picture it. Oh my god, and you've seen all three of her tattoos every single time you've seen her. Oh my god, and they all remind her to be strong. This one reminds her of her cousin. And and to follow up on Jonah's, maybe it's Caitlin, maybe it's Kate, maybe it's Catherine, who knows? But it's Katie. This is the Loki like that I really want them to track down the variants of this Katie. And Wanda is a Katie. Love but it. you know what? I'm going to oh. challenge it. I'm going to challenge it with Wanda is also an Ashton-born Mark. Okay? <laughs> so I think we all oh, also right. know <laughs> that guy. And hi, I'm Ashton. Yeah. <laughs> I actually went to school for finance. I went to finance school for finance where I majored in finances. And, you know, and you're like, and your name's really Ashton. And he's like, yes. And you're oh, like, that is was it the really last name you gave him? And he's no. And he's like, no, that's really my name. And you're like, but what's oh. your name really? And he's like, it's Ashton. And you're like, no, but what is it really? And he's like, I was born Mark. Okay. Right. And like, I think Wanda is also a little bit Ashton Mark. Mark, where uh, this is the identity she wants for herself and she's bought into it and she's paid really a, she's really paid for it right like ashton does not have mark's nose ashton had mark's ears fixed wow. ashton only drives a nice car ashton doesn't drive a secondhand pickup right like ashton titus isn't andromedon mark. from Gunbook yeah yeah, He's, that's more what you're describing. I get you. I get you. Speaking of the pretentious guy you run into the gay, at the gay bar, what did we think about Victor Von Doom? And his I heard what you said. <laughs> he is the pretentious guy you run into at the gay bar. Come on. I mean, Victor he's like Von the guy Bottom. who's like, yeah, no, he's, he's like, oh, I'm rich. Like, yeah. Yep. He's like the guy who's Victor like, Victor Von Poppers. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> believe he gives you when you walk up, like you, you've come in to meet your friends and he just happens to also be there. And he definitely looks you over like he's surprised that you're here with them. And it's like, who who the fuck is this? And they're like, oh, hi, I'm Victor. And it's like, well, I actually didn't <laughs> see you. 
I just want to point out, we came here to read comics, not read comics, and I'm really happy with how this has turned out. Uh, This is amazing. How we identify with literature. Victor would be like, oh, but I didn't catch your name, and I would say, well, I didn't throw it. Love Victor. No. (laughs) Okay. Absolutely not. We don't do that here. (laughs) Speaking of that pretentious guy, what did we think of the relationship (laughs) between him and Maximoff? Boo. I... I don't ship it. I I uh, I ship it. No, no, I don't. I unship it. FedEx so, gives me money. <laughs> so Victor, uh, I think he also did this to read where he was really bitter about the breakup. So he just throws out insults. Yeah. Um, yeah, that feels very him. Again, to go back to Children's Crusade, Victor <laughs> oh, no. was using Wanda to get her magic. Now it like wasn't. It was implied that he did care for her on like a more emotional level but it was never really dug into more because it always it more so felt like he was trying to take the life force but he couldn't handle it because uh he you know he's not that kind of bottom because sephiroth can't have access to the life force he's not Aerith. no wait 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 wait. you think you think that von doom would let somebody he's like the like the nelliest top ever but like he really wouldn't let somebody bomb i, don't I first off he would never call it bottoming there there are <laughs> Two, there are two separate sentiments here. One, that Victor is bottoming, and two, that we go anywhere near Victor's asshole. Those are two separate things. Yeah, you know what? Until you... kid's face, I would stay away. <laughs> you know, the, the second you said uh, Victor's... Yeah, until you put it that way, I don't think it was quite as unattractive. <laughs> but more There's a top for every bottom, though. You know what? We have that saying in fashion as well. Statistically, yeah. there's not. I've been on the app. There's not a top for every bottom. No, can I be? I, sometimes I like. There's times my phone overheats. I open scruff and I'm like, ah, it's melting. <laughs> you it's cannot not be a top easy. and sign on anywhere near New York City. It's. But if if Victor wanted to bottom, he would find what he needed. Victor would build himself what he needed. He is only going to bottom for Black Bolt or Doctor Strange. I mean, like, that's it. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I'm not cutting any of this. I'm just going to literally label it After Dark. I'm going to label it X's for Podcast After Dark. And it'll be. This is amazing. X's for Podcast uh, After Dark Hold Alpha. Oh! Oh. We're supposed to be covering. The relationship between Doom and Wanda is something that I don't like because he's so bitter about everything involving Wanda's powers and not being able to handle the life force. It just feels weird. And not to say that's not in or out of character, I more so think Doom would be over it. A, by now, B, moved on to something else. Like, he would have found a different energy mystical force to try to take over the world with. I, I It feels really weird that he's so hung up on what it was and then he has to use like vicious insults against her then i'm just like it's just like it's contrived childish yeah yes it's bratty ish bratish sub yeah i also feel like it's weird that wanda just sort of like like obviously she couldn't stop him from like you know beam me up scotty into like the <laughs> other realm or whatever but it just seems like very weird that she's kind of like oh you're plotting to do this thing with like eldritch horror shit and i guess we should work together on it like i get that doom is like i'm doing 
doing what I want. But it's weird to me that Wanda's like, okay, I mean, I would like to help. And oh, wait, you you actually did what you wanted and you ignored me. Okay. Like, I, that seems very Stop. strange to me. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, oh man you're not supposed to push that button victor oh no like it's very weird you literally told me you betray me and you did (laughs) i kind of want to comment on something jonah said and roll it directly into what you guys are saying because i think it stands to be stated you know i don't think it's so much that uh doom's a bratty sub I think he's a bratty dom. Mm-hmm. I think he's a big man used to getting his way in his little mask. Yeah, and, yeah that's mm. even worse. <laughs> and now it's not going exactly the way he wants. And in so many ways, Doom and Wanda represent complete spectral opposites. And in a kind of silly on the nose way, but also in a very specific way, Wanda's whole look is about openness and invitingness. Wanda's cloak isn't about covering herself, but rather accentuating accentuating her fabulousness her cope her cope her cape <laughs> flies into the air behind her to stylize her hair she always looks spectacular but she's on display doom for all his vaunted power skulks in the shadows everybody in the world knows how powerful doom is even if they don't truly know how powerful he is but nobody in the world knows how powerful scarlet witch is even the people who believe they truly do and i feel like him being rebuffed by this woman who he desires and yet represents everything that he's not you know sort of in that same way that storm but you know the Mm. difference between storm and i think for me the, the difference between Storm and Wanda rebuffing you is sort of the difference between being rebuffed by like Meghan Markle and being rebuffed by like Paris Hilton. Like it's <laughs> exactly it's, it's very different kinds of royalty, and I don't I I just couldn't think of a, a a famous second generation woman that would be a a fair comparison. So Paris Hilton is a way too low, but you know it it is sort of very different royalties, but it is sort of still you know. Still, very different know. women. Paris Hilton is a very apt um, analogy for Wanda because she's got she's very problematic in certain ways, but she doesn't mean to be problematic, and that's exactly what Wanda is. So. Let's and say she's more of a or a low hand then. <laughs> but like, but like, she's an heiress. It really needs to be that she's second generation fame. So then she can be Nicole Richie, but she's still living the simple life. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. I would like to hear Wanda's cover of Stars Are Blind. That's- <laughs> uh, yes, please. <laughs> okay, amazing Port- track, first off. But yeah. <laughs> it's, it's got so much Eastern European spice on it. Oh, I am so into this cover. Oh my if we're god. We're doing the MCU version. Sometimes it has an accent, sometimes it doesn't. Exactly. Oh, oh man. Oh, and if it's the MCU version, by the time they get to the bridge, someone's already blown it up. So... <laughs> Her brother's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but actually, I need to ask a question. Is this the first Quicksilverless Wanda appearance in a while? Because even the, you know, ultimately, while she managed to appear without him prior to dying, of course, her death became all about him because what woman's death isn't made about a man, right? So mm. I, is this like a pretty Pietro-less Wanda appearance in a way that we're not usually privy to? Strange Academy, but she was just like the like the woman who walked on the set and was like, hi, I'm Wanda. Yeah, she's in that about as much as my 
fresh as Dead Girl is. Ugh. I think Dead Girl's in it more. Possibly. But I think you are right. I think, and I've actually, like, I didn't even think about that at first. And I was like, wait, yeah. Like, when you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, there's no Quicksilver here. And, like, that's fine. Like, they don't need to be attached at the hip. He's also one of those characters like Black Bolt, where it's like, what are you up to? <laughs> like, do you have a job? Like, are you okay? <laughs> what is? Cheated on by Crystal. Yeah. I feel like quarantine, he's one of those people out way worse from quarantine. And no, everyone needs to check on him, I feel like. I feel like, uh, yeah, he, aren't you a Marvel exclusive? And he's been a part of every team. He's been in in humans books. He's been in mutant books and Avengers books. He can't find a book to be in. It's sort of that moment in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where it's Dee's big break and she's getting on the plane and... Quicksilver Dennis comes rushing up to her and he's like, it's me. I'm the perfect man for you because I'm your brother and I love you. And she just sort of kicks him from the plane Suck stairs. My Suck my dick. And gets on the plane. Are they Ross and Rachel is what you're trying to say? I, I, no, I'm saying they're Dennis and Sweet D. They're Ross and Rachel if Rachel had told Ross to go fuck himself. No, they're Monica and, and Ross. Fine. They're siblings, oh. you guys. The important uh, part's they're... not the romance. It's the sibling yeah. thing. But I think they're way more Dennis and D than Monica and Ross. Like, they have that toxic, slightly like, low-key incestual relationship, incestuous, where you're like, ooh, why are you guys so attached to each other? Like, ew. ew they're the Finris twins. Yeah. So I guess, uh. I guess in that regard, though, then we could say that North Star and Aurora are Monica and Ross because from the beginning to the end she's two completely different people and he's always neurotically unlikable and gay and gay and gay (laughs) and Puck is Joey in this (laughs) wait is Heather Hudson Phoebe please be like please let Heather Hudson be Phoebe oh totally totally and uh I guess that makes Mac Chandler could I be any more dead in the 12th issue (laughs) <laughs> Wait, wouldn't he be like wouldn't he be sasquatch though like because like if yeah all right i'm drawing too many parallels to this um. janice can be sasquatch it's fine no no, no, these no, characters no. are in this book uh i always call her Northbird. Snowbird. Snowbird. i love naira and she just flies through the air with that voice. Yes. Northbird <laughs> sounds like a terrible translation. I, I listen. It's not that far off. She loves the North and she turns to a bird sometimes. So, obviously, this was an issue we really all loved because we've gone so well off topic because that is what happens when we really love an issue. Do we have any final thoughts related to the issue that we want to talk about? You know, I really do kind of love the sort of rhythm nation by way of velvet rope bondage love kind of look that they get at the end what a great reference but isn't it what it looks like they've all got the rope burn like i mean it's a thousand percent for me because it's that stylized leather black specific cut look but with the red inflection and i'm just kind of you know i'm i think it's a dumb idea but i think it's cute and i'm gonna keep buying it and i'm gonna buy the one shots and like I'm in. It's it's dumb, but like I like Steve Orlando's dumb. It's the kind of dumb that I know I'd enjoy getting a drink with. Mm-hmm. It's starting to feel like some stories are almost written and produced as challenges to cosplayers. <gasps> oh, yes. Good point. I don't hate that. 
No, because Jonah would look great in that dark Spider-Man costume. Yeah. I wanted to do the dark Janet. Oh my god, she's like hell. Anyway, her boobs are sitting. I know they're like. I mm. say that. I oh, disagree. Yeah. I don't think they're sitting at all. I think that they are standing up and they are saying, "I am here, front <laughs> and center." <laughs> um, I hey. also do love that they have kind of a Cenobite Hellraiser aesthetic, especially Black Bolt. Like, oh, my brain yeah. instantly, again, to go back to, like, the 70s oh. horror of it all, like, it really is giving, like, Cenobite explorers of the further reaches of experience, angels to some, demons to other. Like, I'm very into that. Well, and I love the reference, if for no other reason... You know, I think too many people immediately think, you know, they like, and I don't blame them, but they immediately think Pinhead, and mm-hmm. it's such a much more designed and developed world than that in so many important ways. And when I think about a lot of the kind of uh, lesser Cenobites, right, I do think about these very kind of standard sort of almost, um, I mean, they literally are generic masters of pain, and they're is sort of there is kind of a fun campy costume aesthetic to it mm-hmm. yeah like it's not high fashion it's just not it's kind of high fashion there are things about it that are high fashion but there's still something a little two-day challenge on project runway about it and <laughs> i i love the webbing all over iron man because i i don't know is that edgier it doesn't look like he can conveniently hold anything is that an advantage oh, I, I don't, don't think understand. that's webbing i think that is human flesh mm. but him bleeding from the mouth is very appropriate though i didn't even notice the bleeding from the mouth um also yeah. blade looks like at the beginning of thriller when like michael <laughs> jackson turns into a werewolf like it's the exact same face yeah, yeah i the only thing that i i really feel is that perhaps the gradient on the hair isn't exactly in line with what i would expect maybe I feel mm. like the gradient on the hair is almost identical in the two pages, like like it's tool-ish, mm. and yeah. maybe yeah. has some weird coloration between the two that isn't consistent, and I understand that we've changed lighting in these two shots, but it is sort of a thing where if you're going to do big, beautiful, flowing hair, add the texture that's necessary. Yes, I agree. Oh. Spider Twunk's just going on with his six eyes and like love Black Bolt with his like what the fuck is that look even? But yeah. Like that's the long torso daddy dom. That's the real Cenobite look. And that torso is long forever. The only is Mm. his what what is his leg? Yeah. What is 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 his I'm not sure exactly where some of the parts of him are facing. But I gotta be honest. Um, as long as he and I get to share Spider Boy, I'm in. You know, no complaint. His leg can do whatever it's got to do. I'd also like to go on record saying my understanding of the entirety of the Hellraiser universe is that it's all about getting the best nut. <laughs> it's about getting the best nut that hurts the most. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. And- I, that's, an, that's a gross oversimplification of it. It's technically the greatest like sexual pleasure. But it has to. It. But, but it, it is about involving. But you have to know that there is a cost. Like, you you think that in that moment it'll be worth it and you will be great enough to be greater than it. But that's why the Cenobite, you know, the rules of the puzzle box aside, you know, the Cenobite world only really works for people who have a true corruptness inside of them. There, If, you know, you put the Hellraiser movie in front of, you know, a Hellraiser Cenobite trap in front of a truly good person, it's not going to, they self-torture enough. That, that's not how it works. So it's, it's. 
it's a really complex, nuanced world, and it's very excellent. Yeah, about getting nut. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh, I just kept hearing that, and I was like, Cinnabon, what? You're a nut. <laughs> I am a nut. But more importantly, I like the costumes. At least they the are new pretty ones. hot. Uh, I also didn't particularly care for Wanda, the way that Wanda was dressed for this. Um, mm. It wasn't yeah. my favorite. I didn't really care for the headpiece. As long as she's not wearing cat ears, unless it's like an adorable kind of like uh, manga ah, kind of thing, then she can wear cat ears <laughs> no, no, all no, no, day. No, no, no. You, you, she's going to wear the cat ears headphones. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. <gasps> can so we get cool. that? Can it happen? But like, also, like my my big thing was like, what is Janice? Janice, the artist. Like, what is she like? An artist of like appropriating mutant culture, like fashion. Fashion. <laughs> She's a fashion designer, darling. But like her last fashion ro- like design role was like appropriating mutant fashion. So like, I'm like, okay, cool, yay. This is like oh, that Jan. one time in Sunset Boulevard when um I forget who was but somebody stole somebody's design outfits <laughs> um i do appreciate victoria no, saying... Sunset Boulevard. i'm so sorry melrose place <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> um but uh victoria's calling her a shrinking jacket vendor was powerful <laughs> yes. that that is a read right there as as the world's biggest janet fan i did love that like that was amazing something That's about great... vendor sat sat right with me yeah because it sounds like peddler it's yes, exactly, like, exactly. It sounds like peddle me your wares, small woman. There's something so diminutive about the comment, and it has nothing to do with the fact that she shrinks. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, boy, we really are bringing the dark hole defiled. Hey everybody, Nico here again. Now, okay, it's the spookiest time of year. It's Halloween, and you guys know what that means. The X-Men love their scary villains. Now, of course, this year, Jerry Dugan's X-Men will be doing a Halloween-themed special one-shot in X-Men number four, which we will be covering here on the network. But to kick things off, I want to talk about some of my favorite parts of the X-Men, and that's their spooky, spooky villains. Mr. Sinister, one of the spookiest villains with his pointy-ass teeth, that motherfucker has found his way into the X-Men's secret sanctum, being part of the ruling council of Krakoa. So it's sort of like, you can even be one of the X-Men's scary villains and still find yourself on the team and I don't think anything better represents that than Baby Brew. My precious Baby Brew and his brood. So the brood relate to the X-Men in a really interesting sort of way. Chris Claremont never found an idea that he didn't see potential in further digging back into what sourced it and finding the sort of critical elements that could be grown into his own thing and in that regard he took the incredible idea of Ridley Scott's Xenomorph and interpolated it into the X-Books in the form of the brood. Now, you know, some people think that the Xenomorph do look a bit like the Angari from the Angari Karn in his earliest days, his first issue without help from any co-writers, the likes of which are like Len Wein or Bill Mantlo. But even to today, the Angari are used a bit more sparing. The brood, however, made their splashy debut in the pages of Uncanny X-Men 155 back in March of 1982. It was here that we were first introduced to the dimension-traveling intergalactic nightmare creature 
creatures who would go on to infect and destroy planets. The Brood have come to represent one of the X-Men's greatest unstoppable foes. They've appeared in numerous X-Men titles, such as the classic flagship, New Mutants, Astonishing X-Men, and have even given rise to the previously mentioned Brew. Now, I love Baby Brew. He was a major player in Wolverine and the X-Men after being introduced by the incredible Christos Gage and Juan Babillo in Astonishing X-Men number 40, and then continuing to appear in Astonishing X-Men number 42. He would go on to have a very long and well-loved tenure in Wolverine and the X-Men, and those issues represent sort of the heart and soul of that title for me, as well as many other fans. Brew continues to appear in the pages of the X-Men, having played a role in Jonathan Hickman's era, but it's also of note that he's become such a significant character that he has found himself in the pages of Jason Aaron's Avengers, as well as Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda. It is of note that Brew would likely appear in Jason Aaron's Avengers, as Wolverine and the X-Men was an Aaron creation, and definitely where Brew got his X-Men sea legs. The Brood, however, don't quite have the same loving, warm relationship with the X-Men. Much like many X-Men villains, they didn't really appear all that much early on. This is one of those things where as we think about the fact that the X-Men used to be one book and then maybe two books, and sure, toward the end of the 80s, you were looking at 4X titles a month with X-Men, X-Factor, Excalibur, and New Mutants, but it really wasn't until the 90s where it was, you know, dozens of titles. And so for that reason, the Brood really only appeared about 30 times until the 2000s. Their most notable appearances outside of the X-Men would be Untold Legend of Captain Marvel and Contest of Champions number two. And in so many ways, those titles sort of represented kind of odds and ends. It wasn't like they were appearing over in the pages of Avengers. It would it would be in the 2000s that we would start to see them appear a bit more in a big way. The Brood would appear in things like Planet Hulk and Annihilation, War of Kings and more before returning to the pages of X-Men in the form of Astonishing X-Men, and then continuing their run throughout the Marvel titles. It's also of note that as the Brood have increased their popularity and the X-Men have returned to the big stage of the Marvel Universe, we've seen them appear in incredible events like the Black Vortex, Civil War II, and more. I realize I just referred to Civil War II as an incredible event. Okay, so the Brood represents something really exciting for the X-Men, right? The X-Men are always about being the species out to survive in this big, hard, scary world by themselves. But instead, the Brood represent the menace the X-Men could be. They come in, they infect, they overrun the population. Humankind is afraid of mutant kind surplanting them as the dominant species, when the truth is, that's what the Brood exist to do. Now, the Brood also have other creatures sort of connected to them, and we love bringing up some of those ideas here. It was in one of our earliest episodes covering Uncanny 155 to 161 or so, where we fell in love with the Akanti. And of course, that gave rise to Jonah's famous Akanti you slay. So this is just one of those things where the horror elements of X-Men are so intrinsically linked to what X-Men is. It's kind of impossible for me, at least, to think about the X-Men without thinking about their scariest villains alongside them. Now, one of the things that I think the Brood do fall victim to is because they are such big, terrifying ideas. They do often find themselves used in big events in strange ways, like the aforementioned Contest of Champions or the X-Men Fantastic Four miniseries from 2005. It is also kind of memorable that toward the end of the Jim Lee run of X-Men, there was a short-lived crossover with Ghost Rider. Now, this crossover was known as Brood Trouble in the Big Easy. It's sort of unusual that this Howard Mackey-written two issues of Ghost Rider would find themselves collected with the X-Men issues, but sure enough, the Jim Lee 
Lee X-Men Omnibus Volume 2 does include two issues. So if you are looking to collect as much Brood as possible, those two make it pretty easy. Wolverine's relationship with the Brood is pretty famous, as is Storm's. These two X-Men represent a powerhouse focal point for the team. While we often regard Gene and Scott as the pillars of the X-Men, Logan and Storm represent foundational bases upon which the X-Men rest conceptually. Logan is the sense of survival, and Storm is a sense of protection. These two things come together to form the X-Men. Now, of course, there's layers beyond this, and we can add dozens more reads to this to make this an even better argument, but for a moment, to realize that Storm and Wolverine have both fought off brood infections is representative of the fact that their spirits are meant to be the X-Men's unyielding need to survive and take care of one another. It's always fascinating when a title is able to dig into the identity of who a character is by pitting them against a foe that really tests that idea on both a physical and ephemeral level. If you guys are looking to read any of these amazing adventures of the Brood, I would recommend starting back with their first appearances in the aforementioned Uncanny X-Men 155. This is of course one of the most classic issues of the title, giving us the introduction of so many important elements such as Scott growing closer to Corsair and beginning to understand the bigger picture of his family tree. That arc essentially sees the Brood interact with the X-Men from March of 1982 all the way to March of 1983, running through the pages of Uncanny X-Men 155 to 167. Also of note is New Mutants plays an important part in that. So if you are looking to understand that story, be sure to read Marvel graphic novel number one, as well as New Mutants one through three. From there, the Brood didn't appear again for quite some time, resurfacing in Uncanny X-Men 218, 232, and 234 in 1987 and 1988. They would pop back up for Brood Trouble in the Big Easy in 1992, before returning to Ghost Rider in 1995 for issues 67 and 68. Astonishing X-Men numbers 31 through 35, as well as 38, 40, and 42, would see more involvement from the Brood. After that, the Brood sort of took a bigger cosmic point in the Marvel Universe and began appearing all throughout the Marvel Universe. Of course, it's of note that they did appear in All New Wolverine 22 through 24 in a terrific appearance, and we have seen them a handful of times throughout the Hickman era, including recently in the pages of Inferno number one. Now, just to harp on my precious baby brew for one more second, Astonishing X-Men 40 was his first appearance with a follow-up in Astonishing X-Men 42. That was during an experimental arc where the issues alternated perspectives. He would go on to star for a good portion of Wolverine and the X-Men and its significant run. He would also make appearances in titles like Uncanny X-Force, X-Men Legacy, Savage Wolverine, and the Mike Carey special graphic novel X-Men No More Humans. As a member of the school, he would appear throughout titles like the second run of Wolverine and the X-Men, Storm, and the Uncanny X-Men 600 end cap. Since then, we've seen him in the pages of things like Generation X, War of the Realms, and X-Men. And, you know, one more time, guys, it's just such a cool time to kind of feel spooky and kind of be scared. So if you guys are looking for some cool horror stories starring the Brood, I definitely recommend checking those out. And if the Brood get your attention, don't forget to look at our precious baby Brew over in the pages of the aforementioned titles, guys. As always, we love making this show for you twice a week, every week. So keep those mutant lights lit, those Krakoan gateways open. Don't forget to check us out at X's for Podcast on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as me, Nico, at Nico Action, N-I-C-O, A-C-T-I-O-N on Twitter and Insta. And until next time, mutant lights lit, Krakoan gateways open. Guys, we'll see you.